0: The Jones Report with CBS Sports, Oklahoma City, and PrepHoops.com's Matt Reynolds is coming up in just a few moments. But first, a reminder, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Before we get to today's show, I want to take a moment to tell you about our friends at No Coast Lids, a hat brand based out of Lawrence, Kansas, a company that embraces Midwestern values, including hard work, having fun, and treating everyone the right way. Their signature hats include the Kansas Sunrise, the Kansas Thunderstorm, as well as the Freedom, along with in and Trucker hats. The four colors found in all designs represent the four seasons we have, green for spring, blue for summer, red for fall, and white for winter. There's also Kansas Sunrise hoodies coming soon. All products can be found with pictures and pricing on the No-Coast Lids Facebook. Facebook page in the shop section. No Coast Lids also offers beanies and visors as well. Visit No Coast Lids on Facebook. Tell them that Tyler Jones sent you and you'll be glad you did. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few moments, going to be joined by Matt Reynolds of CBS Sports Radio in Oklahoma City, as well as Preppoops.com. We'll be talking all things Big 12 football, as well as uh, go around the National Football League, and uh, talk some college basketball recruiting as well. When Matt joins us coming up later on in the program, you will not want to miss out on our conversation there. Thomas Bridges joins me as always. And, uh, Tom, we uh, we had a nice weekend last weekend uh, tearing things down in uh, Bartlesville. It was uh, good to get that done. And we got another weekend ahead. Uh, we got some golf to play with uh, some OU and OSU legends uh,
1: coming up uh, on Sunday. Yeah, we do. And I think that should be a heck of a time uh, there. We're going to be tearing up Bartlesville again this week. Uh, you know, we, you know. Made some some money moves potentially in Bartlesville this past week, and so all is well.
0: Indeed. And uh, this golf tournament, you know about it more than I do. Uh, tell us about what's exactly going on, uh, some fundraiser of some sorts. What are we playing for this weekend,
1: man? So it is a fundraiser a, for a local Bartlesville kid, um, you know, who has some, some medical bills that are, uh, that are very high. Um and, and as far as you know he, as, as far as you know how he lives and his the quality of life, it's good now and, and uh, you know he's, he seems to be doing all right and, and uh, the lady putting it on, uh, Janet always babysits him. Uh, great kid, just you know some some medical bills still that are that are outrageous. Um, and so they, they do this fundraiser for him and his family. Um, and this is, looks like the biggest year yet. Uh, some quality OU and OSU players from years past um, all lining up to be in Bartlesville to put on this fundraiser and, and uh, talk to Janet. And, and she seems to think this is going to be the biggest year yet. And from what I can see, it's uh, going to be a hell of a time. Uh, everyone's on board. It's great to see.
0: No doubt about it. And uh, this golf tournament that we're playing in, you're going to have uh, Roy Williams, Mark Clayton several OU and OSU greats, and our team, Tom, we're playing with, it's going to be me, you, and uh, former Sooner Terrence Brown and former OSU quarterback Ronnie Williams. So uh, that'll be cool to play alongside those guys. We'll have a little uh, bedlam battle going on there.
1: I think so. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what the chances are of us winning uh, because – I don't know their golf skill by any means. And I know that ours is not – I wouldn't call it pro level. I wouldn't call it winning a fundraiser tournament level. Uh, And I know that some other players uh, from Bartlesville that are big OU and OSU fans are on board uh, for this as much as they are for the fundraiser and the players, but also to win this golf tournament.
0: So, we'll be there. We'll provide the moral support. I don't know – how much of the four-man scramble of our tee shots are going to be used uh, as far as who's going to set the pace. But we'll at least try to do our part and compete. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it this weekend for a great cause uh, and uh, should be a a great time there. And we'll certainly have some updates and social media and all sorts of stuff like that. And, uh, Tom, some uh, unfortunate news right off the top of the show. I know we got plenty to get to on today's show from – Uh, our picks against the spread and Tom Fuller and all that good stuff. We're going to have a lot of fun today, but some sad news off the top that we received on a Wednesday, the uh, passing of Gil Sayers, the former KU running back known as the Kansas Comet. And uh, of course the NFL hall of famer died at the age of 77. He was a two-time all American at KU as well as a three-time all big eight selection Sayers concluded his KU career with 2,675 rushing yards and 3,715 all-purpose yards. Uh, He led KU in rushing, touchdowns, and kickoff returns all three years that he was in the lineup at KU. And he was the first player in NCAA history to record a 99-yard touchdown return uh, when uh, they defeated Nebraska in Lincoln in 1963. Uh, what a career and what a man. Uh, you know, if you haven't already, Tom, the folks out there this week need to find some time to watch the movie Brian's Song. Uh, I mean, just the person that he was. I know that his career wasn't that long, only seven seasons in the NFL, still good enough to be in the Hall of Fame and everything. But the stories that we've heard, obviously, Gale played way before you or I's time. But more than anything, the conversation it seems to be about, about Gale Sayers is just the man he was and what an incredible human being he was and huge for not only KU and Chicago Bears fans, but really for uh, you know, African-American athletes and such. He was, he was a trailblazer for his time there in the 60s.
1: Uh, yeah, he was and, and, and did a lot for the sport. And you could honestly say that's KU's Barry Sanders – um, and so not only a huge loss for just, uh, the game of football in general, but also a huge loss, I think for the university of Kansas, uh, and for the city of Lawrence and, and for, for that program and Chicago, oh uh, well, yeah. And obviously Chicago as well. Um, but I, you know, I think Jones, I, I think you look for probably KU to, uh, honor, honor Gail in some way, uh, potentially even this weekend or. Uh, maybe even against Oklahoma State um, on October third.
0: So, believe it or not, Tom, they were already working on a statue for Gail Sayers that was set to debut the weekend of the Oklahoma State game. They were going to reveal it at halftime, and uh, Gail fortunately got to see the pictures of what it looked like and everything. But uh, it's unfortunate he's not going to get to see it revealed to the public. But That will happen at halftime for the Oklahoma State game. Uh, I know that OSU is about to honor Thurman Thomas this weekend. These type of things are long overdue. KU should have had a statue for Gail Sayers years ago. I could argue decades ago they should have had this. Same for Thurman, Barry Sanders, some of these others. Uh, I mean, we need to do a better job of honoring our heroes. And uh, I'm glad that Gail's finally getting some recognition, but this should have happened a long time ago.
1: Yeah, no, it should have definitely, and and uh, I'm glad that they have taken the initiative, and I'm glad the Gail got to see it. Um, and and you know, their OSU is rolling out this Ring of Honor thing, and and you know, other schools should do the same. It be it's it's hard pressed to think that OSU and and even KU, you know, had not had a Gale statue previously, and you argued decades ago, and I agree. Uh, you know, the same could be said for OSU. They don't have a Barry or a Thurman statue, um, which blows my mind. But, um, but yeah, we got to do a better job of, of honoring those around us. It does seem like some initiative got taken, you know. And like you mentioned, Thurman for OSU this weekend, uh, he's actually going to be the first one um, in the ring of honor. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe I see our golf buddy Ronnie Williams there because he was on that Thurman Thomas team. Um, so maybe he's in Stillwater as well. Uh, maybe Thurman takes a trip to Bartlesville. Who knows? Maybe so. Uh, but we got to do a better job. I agree.
0: Yeah. That'd be fun to play some golf with Thurman Thomas this weekend. Um,
1: if... watch my Rams beat his Bills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you guys go <laughs> hang out at the local Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that. Well, um, that'd be something. That'd be great if uh, you guys could do that. But nonetheless, uh, Gail Sayers, what a champion, what a legend. And uh, I'll end on this with Gail Sayers. Tom, he, he is, without a doubt, the greatest Jayhawk of all time. I know a lot of people love to give Todd Reesing love for what he did with that Orange Bowl team. What, what I've said is that Gail was the greatest Jayhawk of all time, but Todd Reesing is probably the most important Jayhawk of all time. And that's not to discredit Gail at all, but for what – Reesing did, not only as a player, but to bring that Orange Bowl title uh, in that terrific season to KU and everything like that. That's where I would differentiate the two. And you look at Gale and John Riggins, and uh, of course, we know about the recent you know, great cornerbacks KU's had with Akib Tlaib and Chris Harris. I mean, there's a lot better football history in Lawrence than people would realize. And uh, certainly, uh, Gale is uh, among the best. And and uh, at halftime of the national championship this past year, they revealed Gale, Tom, as uh, one of the top ten college football players of all time.
1: That is really saying something. I did not know that. And I agree on the on the racing part, too. Um, you know, I wouldn't say as far as talent level or just overall college football player, I wouldn't say racing is anywhere close. But I would say for KU, he is the most important. I agree there, uh, but I did not know that uh, they'd come out and said Gail Sanders top ten, uh, or did you say top ten or top fifteen of all top, time? Top ten of all time, yeah. And that was decided uh, by ESPN and the College
0: Football Hall of Fame and several others. Yeah,
1: yeah, that is saying something, and, and you know, a way to you know, a way to honor his legacy and. Uh, you know, I'll definitely be watching for that statue to be unveiled at, um, at, you know, in Lawrence. Uh, you know, when Oklahoma State travels to Lawrence to play that game, that I mean, that'll be something.
0: Yeah, it will be for sure. Tom, let's start in the National Football League with today's show. And, uh, I gotta say, I feel really bad for Tyrod Taylor right now. Um, and, and I guess I, I don't feel bad enough to call him by his actual name, Terod Taylor, but Terod, Tyrod, whatever, nonetheless. Uh, you know, I picked the Chiefs to cover last week thinking they were facing Terod Taylor. And then Justin Herbert showed up and just laid it on the Chiefs and was very close to winning that game, sending that game to overtime. And then, you know, we hear pregame, you know, Terod Taylor doesn't come out for the start. And we found out right at kickoff he wasn't going to start that game, that he had some chest issues of sorts, what was originally reported. And uh, Herbert played out of his mind. Uh, Herbert should be the starter going forward. And I think everybody thought that except Anthony Lynn. And Anthony Lynn still said that, you know, he made a couple of rookie mistakes. That's why he's our backup. And all that sounded weird. Like, wouldn't you just want to go ahead and hand the keys over to uh, Justin Herbert now? But now it kind of all makes sense with the news that we found out on Wednesday that the doctor that was working on Tarod Taylor, uh, he fractured his lung. (laughs) I kid you not. A real story. This actually happened uh, before kickoff. He was dealing with these chest issues that were reported. And then, uh, what do you know, this team doctor accidentally punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung before kickoff while trying to administer a pain killing injection uh, to the quarterback's cracked ribs. And uh, what do you know? Tyrod Taylor doesn't play. He potentially lost his job. And you look at Tyrod's career, Tom, this guy takes Buffalo to the playoffs for the first time in like 17 or 18 years. The franchise was old enough to go smoke cigarettes before they actually made a playoff game until uh, Tyrod showed up. And then uh, he goes to Cleveland, and he gets hurt there, concussion, loses his job to Baker, never plays again. And now you got this situation in L.A. T- Terod's a decent player. He's a decent quarterback. Has anyone in this league had has had more bad luck than Terod Taylor? I feel really bad for this guy.
1: Yeah, I feel bad for him too, but I uh, won't feel bad for his uh, pocketbook uh, when he, you know, him or him, his agent ends up making a, a large chunk of change uh, off of this right here. Uh, and if they don't, it'd be a shame. I mean, just complete negligence on the part of the doctor. Uh, I mean, you, you can't understate that enough. Uh, you know, I was talking to my sister who is a nurse uh, about this and she just says, well, how did that happen? uh how big was the needle i mean like uh like well wait you know wait a second this is not just some like oh you know this kind of hack happens sometimes She just said that's kind of unheard of um so i i don't know i mean depending on what they were injecting she seems to think maybe like a form of lidocaine or something like that but uh incredible um And for Tyrod Taylor, you know, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, uh, you know, with the showing of Herbert already, uh, I mean, he would have – let's say he would have played the game um, and continued to be the starter. And now Herbert gets a chance. Uh, It's not that easy, I don't think, to come back from a punctured lung. Um, So – he loses time as a starter. Uh, I mean, pretty much kills his chance of going anywhere else uh, this season, even if he was to be regulated to the bench in, in, in favor of Justin. Uh, I mean, this is going to take him out of full season. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of time left, I'd imagine. Um, but, you know, kind of I would say on the back end of his career. And I wouldn't say it's been a bad career. It hasn't been anything phenomenal. But now you have the concussion, and now you have this. Uh, I mean, I, you know, if I'm an NFL GM, I'm not taking a page on Taylor anymore. Right. Man, you talk about misfortunes and bad luck. Terod Taylor,
0: you, you mentioned he's going to get pretty rich off this. He's probably suing the Chargers. He's suing the doctor. He's going to make a lot of money off this. Because uh, this is just this is just killing his career that he ends up in this circumstance uh, to be in this situation. I feel so bad for him uh, that this is how it ends essentially for Tarod Taylor. But Justin Herbert, uh, the guy of the future, nonetheless for the Chargers. We'll talk about them and their match with the Panthers coming up in just a bit. But what a brutal end uh, to say the least. There, Tom. Let's uh, let's go around the league and look at this week's games. Let's start out with the Monday night game. Chiefs taking on the Ravens on Monday Night Football. The Ravens are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. We're going to pick this game later on. But the Chiefs were not impressive last week. That offensive line really got exposed. Uh, The secondary for the uh, Chiefs really struggled going up against Justin Herbert and company. I mean, it was just not a good day for the Chiefs, but they still found a way to win. And that's what great teams do, is that on their bad days, they find ways to win. I said on Monday's show, the Chiefs probably played about a C performance. You look at Baltimore, their last two games, Tom, they've put up A performances the last two games, with uh, that win they had against the Texans last week, and then uh, what they did week one as well. I mean, the Ravens, I thought the Chiefs looked like a well-oiled machine after week one, the Ravens look like that well-oiled machine two weeks of the season here. I mean, it's going to take an A-plus effort out of the Chiefs with these circumstances of being hurt at the, at the offensive line and the secondary. They're going to have to play their A-plus game in order to beat this Ravens team who is doing everything right, it seems, through
1: two weeks. I mean, I don't think it's a very bold thing to say that so far the the Baltimore Ravens have looked like a bull. Obviously, the first game against the Texans, they did pretty good. Everything looked all right. Uh, Edwards-Alaire, leading rusher in the NFL at that point. Um, Don't know if he is anymore. I I can't imagine that he would be, but uh, I haven't looked at that. Um, but, you know, against the Chargers, so if I, uh, you know, first game for Justin Herbert. Uh, offensive line, can't stress this enough, played about as well enough to get Patrick Mahomes killed. Uh, the man was hit. If I had a $5 bill for every time he was hit, Jones, we might find a way uh, into this Baltimore Kansas City game, even with there not being any fans. That's how often Patrick, you know, saved by the kicker um, in this game. And you said good teams find ways to win. They do, and they did. Is it going to be enough this week? They cannot repeat that performance. They cannot, uh, you know, bank on an overtime, you know, three game-winning kicks in a row uh, in in overtime. Um, from from maybe and you know, this game might feature the two best teams. I would agree, I would go as far to say maybe the two best kickers uh, in the NFL and Bucker That's and an Justin underrated Tucker.
0: matchup too, that um, kicker battle.
1: So and, and the line being at three and a half. It is. I really do think so. Uh, and Bucker, you know, I don't even the, here's the bad thing. I don't think he even won special player special teams player of the week last week, and I think he should have. But that being said, uh, this game, Jones, so if you think last year, there wasn't a game to me necessarily that stood out in a way that the Rams-Chiefs game did in 2018. I mean, from – and I'm biased, and maybe you're biased too, but that 2018 game versus the Rams and the Chiefs, which I also believe was a Monday night game, It was Uh, stood out to me as one of the best games of all time. I think we're looking at that here again. I think we're looking at that here again, uh, come Monday night.
0: So I was at the last two
1: chiefs Ravens games, both of them in Kansas city
0: and they were classics kind of low scoring games. And Patrick Mahomes just found a way to win with some crazy Mahomes passes that he does. And Lamar made just a couple too many mistakes and you look at what Lamar's done in the playoffs, no playoff wins to this point, no wins against Kansas City. Tom, I would argue this game is more important for the Ravens than it is the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to be just fine in the AFC West. Um, They know who they are. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. Even if they didn't look great last week, and even if they lose this week, we know they're going to be okay and they'll figure this out. The Ravens, they need this as a way to get over the hump of some sorts. This game means a whole lot more, I think, for Baltimore than it does Kansas City.
1: Yeah, and you could be right there, you know. And you know Lamar, you know, winning the MVP but and and still getting to a point and losing the way they did in the playoffs. And, you know, I'm sure they were thinking they were going to have their shot at the Chiefs again in last year's playoffs, did not. Um, I think he probably had this game circled as soon as they, you know, got bounced in the playoffs. Uh, Could have had this game circled as soon as they lost last year uh, against the Chiefs. And and maybe the Chiefs do too. Uh, I I think it's going to come down maybe to who wants it more. If I'm a betting man, maybe I say the Ravens want it more now just because of of Lamar Jackson. I I would imagine that he's probably a pretty, pretty competitive guy. I think the Ravens' defense is is pretty pretty solid. Chiefs' defense didn't do a terrible job. They were without Frank Clark uh, due to an illness, and it wasn't COVID. He, I believe, he said it was a hydration issue uh, for him um, playing that week. And and I think the Chiefs' defense will will show up and be all right. Uh, I think the Baltimore Ravens' defense will be tougher uh, than what the Chargers through at the Chiefs, and, and that proved to almost be enough. I think the key factor, Jones, here is is comes down to what kind of game plan does the offensive line coming in have for the Ravens? Because if they don't, if we get a repeat performance from that offensive line, I don't think the Chiefs win this game.
0: Yeah, that'll be a big key. Uh, we'll see. I, I think that the Chiefs are finally going to unleash, Tom, this offense. We've seen them be kind of conservative, uh, you know, do the short passing game, run the football a lot. Holmes had a lot of carries himself last week, which he was effective. I think this is the week we see the Chiefs of old, the ones that play fast and unleash, throwing the football. I think that's what's going to happen this week for the Chiefs. Uh, that's what I expect to see out of this team and uh, this matchup here. But We'll look forward to that. We'll talk about it more on Monday. We'll have a show before Monday's game as well. So uh, with that being said, let's look at the rest of the games in the league. Tom, Thursday night football, the battle for Florida. The Jags, the Dolphins, what a barn burner. Jags are a three-point favorite in Jacksonville. Uh, The Jags have actually been surprising. Gardner Minshew's played fairly well. Ryan Fitzpatrick, not too bad for Miami despite the 0-2 start here. This game actually could be better
1: than what people think. Uh, I got to go with the Dolphins in this one, though, Tom. You're going with the Dolphins. I'm going to just come out and say the Jags here. Um, it is – this is a game, you know, they say if Monday night's game is fit for a king, Thursday night's game is fit for a joker. Um, I mean, there's no other way to put it. This is a your atypical Thursday night game. This is what Thursday nights were meant for. Um Dolphins, Jags. I mean, you just can't get any. You just can't get any better than that for a Thursday night. I think it could go either way. The Dolphins haven't looked terrible. Uh, the Jags did beat the Colts, who, and we'll get to it maybe when we say this matchup along the lines coming down the line. But I mean, the Colts did just whoop up on the Vikings, and that's a whole another story for a whole different day in Minnesota. But uh, I mean, both teams not. Not terrible. Not terrible. Uh so I it's gonna be a bar burner. It's a toss-up for me, I'll but I'll say Jag since you said dolphins.
0: Okay. Uh if you don't if you can't enjoy Thursday night, Tom, you don't deserve
1: Monday night. Maybe not. You know, I to be fair, I rarely get to enjoy Thursday night because I'm watching from a DJ booth uh hosting karaoke and, and DJ in there in Bartlesville. So I'm kind of peeking beyond the computer at some points to try to get a glimpse of that, but I'm sure I'll get to catch the first maybe quarter and a half. All right.
0: Here's the uh, Sunday matchup starting at noon. The uh, bears take on the Falcons. Uh, everybody have a laugh at the Falcons expense. Oh, and two. When is a uh, Dan Quinn going to be out? That's the million dollar question at this point. He should be out already by now. The bears surprisingly two and oh, at this point, uh, Trubisky, Played a good first six quarters of the season, and then he threw two picks in the second half last week against the Giants. Tom, are the Bears really going to be 3-0 and when it's all said and done, or, is it, or does Atlanta get in, in the win column here?
1: I mean, you would think the Bears are going to have to ride that I think they will. And, and that, that loss against Dallas, I think, just steals the heart and soul or what heart and soul Atlanta had. I think it just rips them to shreds. Um, and I could see the Bears somehow starting 3-0. But, I mean, you just look at the strength of schedule here. What if the Texans got to play the Bears schedule and the Bears played the Texans schedule? Uh, we would be talking, you know, get Mitch Trubisky the hell out uh, well, we would be singing a different tune uh, and, and, you know, we'll get to the Texans later on as well, but uh, you know, maybe an, an easier slate for the bears. I mean, you have the giants, uh, you had the lions, and now you're going to have the Falcons who just got their soul ripped out of their chest. Uh, they might be three and O, but, I would say they're they about as good of a one, as a one-and-two team. Right. Um,
0: how about the uh, Rams and the Bills? We're going to pick this game later, so we're not going to spend too much time on it right now. But, Tom, this is an excellent game for noon. This game would deserve, on any other week, a primetime spot, but we have great primetime games this week. Uh, Bills are a two-point favorite, each team off to a 2-0 start. To this season, Tom, I think we're talking about two playoff teams here, potentially two division winners uh, from across the country going up head to head here.
1: Yeah, I think you're looking at a potential two division winners as well. Um, and, and, you know, these teams last year, I mean, historically, Bills have not gotten the respect they might have deserved. And, and even now, Probably not getting the respect they deserve because eh, it's, it's eh, you know, for the Bills to be this good, it would be like for the Browns to be this good. Um, and even then, the Bills might not get the respect they deserve. So, uh, Josh Allen doing a great job there in Buffalo, and Sean McVay doing equally well his job uh, in LA coming back from what was a very mediocre year. Uh, should be a great game, and I, I think it's going to come down to the end. The
0: football team of Washington. Take it on Cleveland this week. The Browns are a seven-point favorite at home uh, in this one. Baker played really good in uh, their week two win against Cincinnati. They get a couple extra days off. The run game has been fantastic for Cleveland with Chubb and Kareem Hunt there. Uh, Tom, I like the Browns to win this one but seven points. No way would I take that one. If you made me bet this game, I'm taking Washington every day. I like Cleveland to win, but – uh, they are far from earning my confidence right now to lay a touchdown against anybody, let alone Washington, who uh, had a decent Week One win against Philly. There.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, my confidence is nowhere in this game. Uh, it's really, I think, it's going to depend on what Browns team shows up. Is it uh, Week One or Week Two Browns? Uh, I, I wouldn't pick them by a touchdown.
0: Right. Uh, How about the uh, Titans taking on the Vikings? The uh, Titans are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Minnesota. Minnesota has been the biggest disappointment of the NFL season so far with that 0-2 record. I expected them to start the year 2-0, not be 0-2. Tennessee, some people, Tom, are dubbing the worst 2-0 team in the league. Uh, This one, this is – I hate to say this about week three, but it pretty much is the truth. This is a must-win game for the Vikings at this point. Tennessee, if they start out 3-0 and here, they're feeling great uh, about themselves here. This game is a lot more important to Minnesota than it is Tennessee.
1: Oh, 100% it is because, I mean, the fact of the matter is you got two 2-0 teams in the Bears and the Packers in that division. I don't expect the Bears to be that way for very long, uh, but If the – you know, granted, there's an extra wild card spot, uh, but the way the Packers are playing in that division, uh, the Vikings cannot. Right.
0: No kidding. Uh, How about the uh, Raiders taking on the uh, Patriots? Uh, That game there. The uh, Patriots are a six-point favorite. Both these teams impressed me in primetime last week. The Raiders pulling off that win against Drew Brees and the Saints, and a lot of people are asking now – Is Drew Brees washed? Is he done after the performance the Raiders put together? And John Gruden, I know he ran Spider 2Y Banana about 100 times, but it worked about 99 out of those 100 times last week. The Raiders might be sneaky good. The Patriots, we're seeing the Cam Newton of old show up. He and Bill Belichick, I know that's a strange marriage, but it seems to be working right now. Tom is six points too much for New England at home taking on the Raiders. Uh, I think this is a really good matchup here, uh, especially at noon.
1: Yeah, this is an underrated matchup here. Um, And I only say that because the Raiders impressed on Monday night. Uh, You know, this is a tough one for me to pick. It looks like John Gruden may be finally paying off in his new home in Las Vegas. Uh, But then again, it looks like Cam Newton of old. And uh, looks like my comeback player of the year in Cam Newton's not a bad bet at this point. Uh, I don't, I like new England, uh, but uh, this is a big toss up. I wouldn't touch this game.
0: Yeah. Um, I very well could see this being a close game, Tom, but new England still wins by a touchdown to cover late in this game. Uh, I like the Patriots to win at home, but uh, the Raiders are going to give them a tough fight. I think that's for sure. Josh Jacobs, Uh, is one of the best backs in the league right now. He's like a smaller Adrian Peterson at this point, based on what we've seen from him. If the Raiders continue to run the football well, watch out. Giants take on the 49ers. We talked about this on Monday's show, Tom. The the Niners are so injury-riddled. They've lost everything at this point, and I don't know when they're getting these guys back. I mean, it's just terrible what they've had to put up with. The Giants have looked terrible through two weeks themselves uh, with that 0-2 record. I know San Francisco is a four-point favorite. If the Giants are ever going to get a win against a top team, uh, this is about as good of opportunities they could possibly get with as much as the uh, Niners are banged up at this point. But even the Giants into things, Saquon looks like he's out for the year themselves here. I mean, neither one of these teams realistically is uh, in good shape when it comes to injuries.
1: Yeah, yeah, that I mean – You know, Saquon Barkley out and, you know, 49ers are banged up. Uh, This is, you know, I could see maybe this going anyway because of uh, the 49ers are banged up, but maybe they persevere through it. Uh, This is not a bad game for the 49ers to still win being injury riddled. Um, As far as a Rams fan considered, I'll be a Giants fan this week.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you will. The Bengals taking on the Eagles. The Eagles are a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Carson Wentz has looked bad through the first two weeks of the season, and Jalen Hurts is kind of just sitting back out there uh, waiting for his name to be called at this point. Uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, gosh, Joe tore it up last week, Um, and they just have no help around him. I know that you have Mixon and A.J. Green, but uh, no offensive line there, no defense. Tom, the Bengals, they don't deserve Joe Burrow and the greatness that he brings to the table here. I hate it that he's going to play his whole career with that franchise more than likely here. Eagles, it's a must-win game for them at this point. I like them to win this one, but I don't think that they'll impress by any stretch of
1: the imagination. You know what? I'm going to just throw a wild card in here, and I'm going to take the Bengals. I think third time's a charm this week. Joe Burrow looked pretty solid both games. Um, Eagles, oh, man. Uh, I mean, you got to panic in Philly right now. You have to. Peterson, uh, I mean,
0: here's that whole division
1: is terrible.
0: Here's a question for you, Tom. Um, what would it take for Doug Peterson to get on the hot seat? I know he's a Super Bowl champion coach, but what would it take for there to get the rumors started?
1: Uh, I mean, I think the rumors, Philly, here's the thing about Philly, and you know this, Philly is not, or Philly's pretty quick to hot seat just about anybody. Obviously, Andy Reid was there for so long, he was beloved. He had a pretty good showing, not nearly enough reason to fire. Uh, Granted, Eagles did win a Super Bowl, sure. Uh, You know, Nick Foles, he's gone. Uh, You know, Carson Wentz, injury prone and has been playing like absolute dog shit. Uh, I mean... I knew as, as far as the Rams last week, I was salivating at the mouth, waiting for them to do what I figured they were going to end up doing in Philly. Um, I'm going, I, you know, Jones. I'm all in on the Burrow train. It does suck that he's playing for Cincy, and by God, if they can ever figure something out, I think we have. I think we got. I wouldn't. I'm not going to say Hall of Famer yet, but uh, because that would be ignorant. But uh, Joe Burrow, I think, can still have a great career even in Cincinnati. He, I think better than Andy Dalton. Uh, even seeing first two games out of Burrow, he's a competitor. I think the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Eagles this week, and I think the Philly fans – it won't be an official hot seat, but Philly fans will put him on the hot seat. Yeah, I think that's – Or they'll put, they'll put Carson Wentz on the hot seat. Right. And maybe they say, hey, let's see what uh, Jalen Hurts can do since y'all drafted him so early. Right.
0: Right. Um, Let's look at some of these other games uh, throughout the league real quickly here. Uh, Steelers and Texans, we're going to pick this game later. But, uh, Tom, these two teams seem to be going two different directions with the Steelers at 2-0 and and the Texans at 0-2 at this point.
1: Yeah, they do. Bill O'Brien, he's done. He's fired. Uh, I don't care if they win this game. I give him midway through the season, he's done. Uh, Steelers looking too good. The uh, Jets taking on the Colts uh,
0: this game. The Colts last week had a really nice bounce back against Minnesota. The Jets are just a dumpster fire. Indy's at ten and a half. Uh, I, I'm not sold on Phillip Rivers. I like what I've seen from Jonathan Taylor rushing the football. But to me, Tom, this more has to do with the Jets being such a mess than it has to do anything with Indianapolis. I like Indy to win, but this one, uh, you probably want to hide the kids from watching this game.
1: Uh yeah, Jones, real quick. Who gets fired first, Bill O'Brien or Adam Gase?
0: Uh I'll take
1: Dan Quinn. <laughs> um I would say Oh, Adam, there you
0: go. That's a, that's another one. I'll take uh, I'll take uh, Adam Gase. Uh his days are numbered. Uh for sure there with the uh, Jets and I did, that that hire never made sense anyway. He he didn't do a good job in Miami as is. Chargers and Panthers, uh I would guess we're going to see Justin Herbert, we should see Justin Herbert anyway. The Panthers are all in two, but Teddy and Capadilla put up points. Uh, They just have no defense, no defensive help. Tom, I like what I saw from the Chargers last week. I think they'll win, but the Panthers, they've, through two weeks, they've shown they can compete anyway. They can hang with teams, but I don't see them getting the job done here. I think the Chargers are going to be a bit too much.
1: Yeah, the Chargers, I think, are going to build off that loss last week. Uh, and, and what was a hell of a game for them. Panthers, no Christian McCaffrey for the time being. Uh, you you got to think it's it's the Chargers this week. Broncos taking on the Buccaneers. Tom Brady
0: has struggled throughout his career at mile high. Um, he is coming off a, a win last week, the first of his career there in Tampa. The Broncos are so banged up without, uh, you know, Court Courtland Sutton and Drew Locke and Von Miller. The list goes on and on here. Uh, Tom I I like Brady to take care of business in uh, Denver there but uh, knowing his track record and everything and Jeff Driscoll played all right against Pittsburgh I I think that you you give the bucks about a touchdown here I don't think this is going to be an impressive runaway win by any means
1: yeah I I think you're right there you got to think Tampa Bay uh, expounds on the performance against the Panthers and, and wins in Denver just because they're so banged up I don't think Blake Bortles is going to come in and even uh, beat a forty-five-year-old Tom Brady um, in, in his first game in Denver. I mean, that's a that's a tough uh, that's a tough ask. The league is
0: better though, just for having Blake Bortles involved, though. I'm glad that the uh, Broncos brought
1: in Blake, though. I uh, yeah. I mean, that was honestly what I mean. What you could get at the time being. Uh, I mean, you know that that's. It's what you're going to get, and maybe not the best. But, I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe he comes in and uh, defeats Tom Brady. Maybe his woes at mile high continue, and, and maybe Blake Bortles has a day. I mean, maybe it's the year of the comeback quarterbacks.
0: Well, I think Driswell's going to get the start. But, uh, you know, if he struggles or something, maybe I'll Bortles get some time. We'll see. A couple more for you real quick. Uh, Lions and uh, Chargers, that game at 325 uh, the Lions, uh, with Matt Stafford and company, they got a lot of problems right now. Kyler Murray, two and zero. This guy, I think, Tom. At this point, I would be shocked if Kyler Murray is not a Pro Bowl quarterback. I won't put him in the MVP conversation, but with the help he's getting from Hopkins and some of those other guys there, Cardinals are going to contend for the postseason. And Kyler's probably a Pro Bowl quarterback at this point. Really good job by Kingsbury and company there.
1: I mean, he looks phenomenal and Jones we talked about it at the season preview show we talked about it uh, with you know who we picked and why uh, I mentioned that is it crazy to say the whole NFC West can get into the playoffs at this point it's not as crazy as it sounds when it when I first said that uh, power rankings all four NFC West teams are in the top 12. Obviously, the 49ers can fall a bit because three NFC West teams getting in. Right. Um, How about
0: the uh, Cowboys and the Seahawks? Speaking of another uh, NFC West team, the Seahawks have looked phenomenal offensively uh, with Russell Wilson and company. He's got to be the MVP favorite through the first two weeks. DK Metcalf, just a lot of good weapons there in Seattle. Taking on a Cowboys team that is and 1-1, and that record represents them pretty well considerably speaking uh with the one that they could have won against uh the rams and the one that they came back from that they probably should have lost to against the falcons last week uh tom i look at this game we'll pick this one later but coaching here mike mccarthy's making a lot of mistakes uh it's not just the jason garrett effect mike mccarthy is getting in the cowboys way pete carroll Uh, I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he needs to do to get Russell Wilson in position to win games here. Uh, To me, that's where I see the big difference in this matchup being is just coming down to coaching. I'll take Pete Carroll over Mike McCarthy any day and twice on Sundays.
1: Yeah, even Pete Pete Carroll without a mask again. uh, You know, I mean, bet on him. I mean, you got to think Seahawks are going to get this one.
0: And uh, last one, we'll pick this game later as well. This is the Sunday night game. Packers taking on the Saints. Saints are one and one Packers are 2 and O. Oh. Tom, what a terrific matchup. And the Saints, I don't know what Michael Thomas' status is going to be for Sunday night, but uh, they cannot perform like they did on Monday night. The, the Packers look like one of the best teams in the league. The Saints really uh, have to find a way around this Michael Thomas situation because Drew Brees Kind of got exposed last week against the Raiders there.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think that, I don't think that they're going to figure it out this week either. Uh, I mean, uh, the Packers are playing way too good at this point, and it's a nightmare situation right now in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll uh, move on. Let's uh, let's talk college football uh, before we bring in Matt Reynolds of uh, CBS Sports Radio in Oklahoma City here. Talk about the Big 12 Conference. And, Tom, first off, as what it seems to be this year, the, the big story, once again, is, is COVID-19 and its effect on the Big 12 Conference. Uh, we don't know if this OU-K-State game is going to happen. K-State has some COVID issues, in particular, I think, at the offensive line, and they don't know if they're going to be healthy enough to give it a go. Uh, KU sets to take on Baylor. Baylor uh, has already missed two op- two openers they were supposed to play last week against Houston they didn't have enough guys ready at one position they had to cancel the week before Baylor was going to play against Louisiana Tech and Louisiana Tech canceled on them um just with that in mind those COVID concerns if you're these players I know it's tough to do Tom whether you're with K-State or OU or KU or Baylor or even these other teams realistically it's tough, but you have to just go ahead and and, and plan accordingly as if you're going to play. I mean, that's tough for these guys to think in the back of their minds, we're doing all this game prep, and we might not even be able to play at this point. Now, that's a that's the reality. That's the college football world we live in right now.
1: Yeah, I feel so bad for Baylor, uh, and that's coming from a person who's not a huge Baylor fan. Uh, I mean, you get ready for all these games. You're getting hyped up. Uh, you know, the night before, I mean, Houston's, Houston's semi-truck full of equipment literally outside of McLean Stadium. Uh, I mean, there's a picture of it. Uh, just, uh, I mean, it's – you, you want to bang your head on the wall, but what do you do? Uh, I mean, that's just the world we live in now, that, that, that this was not only a possibility of happening, but a pretty surefire thing that was going to happen to at least one team this season. And I wouldn't think it's probably the last team.
0: Right. Uh, Let's look at these games across the Big 12 Conference, starting with K-State and Oklahoma, the uh, first game of the day. That one gets started at 11 a.m. from Norman. OU a 27-and-a-half point favorite. We're going to talk more about this game with uh, Matt Reynolds coming up in just a bit. But OU had a great performance against Missouri State. Rattler was phenomenal, 14-17 for 290 yards and four touchdowns. K-State – uh, had a disappointing performance, uh, losing against Arkansas State at home, and they were without guys due to COVID, and uh, and and they you know laid that egg in that performance there. They still haven't quite solved their COVID issues just yet. I think Oklahoma wins this one just fine, Tom, but 27 and a half still might be too much for a young Oklahoma team that still has to replace a lot on offense and defense.
1: Yeah, they do. And I, I would not be shocked if OU covers, uh, because KU, or not KU, KU two I can throw them in there right now, but, uh, Kansas state seems to be a mess at the point. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, odd situation here. I mean, Jones real quick. If you have this in your, in your little brain bank there, um, how many yards did Skylar Thompson throw for, or how many yards passing did K-State have despite the loss?
0: Uh, they had a lot, um, but I'll tell you what. I don't know how much Skylar Thompson plays in this game. They put in Will Howard at one point, and he had a nice uh, possession there for K-State. If If this game starts to get away from them, if that offense doesn't get going here, Uh, I would expect, Tom, K-State to turn to Will Howard, their their freshman
1: quarterback there. I can see that too. I mean, it was just funny like in the Arkansas State game how last year K-State was uh, very prideful and very strong on defense uh, and and then let that Arkansas State team who was missing guys put up 30-plus on them, including uh, what was ended up being the game winner. Uh, I mean, it's almost opposite this year. I mean, the offense, uh, was, was, you know, granted Arkansas state, but looked a lot better than last year, I would say, because it's not, it's only up from there almost. Uh, but the defense has kind of regressed at a close climb a Chris climb And I mean, I don't, I, I mean, if the defense needs to be strong because uh, granted, you know, OU being young be damned, they're going to have some firepower on offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, at this point, you think A.J. Parker covers covers Rambo, uh, but at this point, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Yeah.
0: Uh, how about Iowa State taking on TCU? TCU, their opener, uh, originally slated to take on SMU, was it canceled due to SMU's COVID-19 issues. So this will be their opener taking on the Cyclones. The game in Fort Worth, and uh, Max Dugan is going to play despite some heart issues with some COVID concerns, he's going to go ahead and give it a go. Iowa State with that ugly loss week one to Louisiana uh, at home. Tom, you think that uh, Iowa State bounces back here uh, on the road against TCU?
1: I mean, October could not come soon enough for Iowa State and Brock Purdy. And, uh, you know, not superstitious, but – Like I said, October's not here just yet. Uh, If they lose this game, you have to be worried uh, if you're an Iowa State fan of just about the legitimacy of Iowa State saying this is, you know, the year that we break it out and break open because, uh, I mean, at this point you would think or you would hope uh, Brock Purdy's gone to the draft after this year. Uh, You know, for one, you, you want to make something of that. I'm sure they've. Probably have somebody else in the fold, but Brock Purdy's don't come around so often. He didn't look very good against the Raging Cajuns either. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he looked terrible to be honest. So maybe October's not here yet. Maybe they could pull out the win against TCU. Uh, This is a toss up for me.
0: I like Iowa State here, uh, TCU's just not a very good football team. And I know Iowa State did not look like a good team a couple of weeks ago, but I think they'll turn it around. That was a wake-up call of sorts. I like Iowa State to uh, win this one on the road. Texas taking on Texas Tech. Uh, the Red Raiders looked really bad in uh, their win against Houston Baptist that they had on a week one. Squeaked out a, what was it, one- or two-point victory when they were a 40-point favorite. Ut, their one game that they've had this year, they just blew out UTEP so badly there on the at uh, at home in uh, that game. There, Tom, uh, Texas, there's no reason why they shouldn't just blow the doors off this Texas Tech team. I like Alan Bowman, uh, Texas Tech's quarterback. He, he's a, a talented player, but he's got no help around him at all. Um, you know, very similar. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Very similar to what Patrick Mahomes dealt with the Texas Tech that Mahomes was putting up, you know, crazy numbers and he was throwing to throwing a lot of picks because he was having to have to do too much. He wasn't getting much help. I don't think Bowman's going to get much help here. I think Tech can keep it within maybe ten points, but that's best case scenario. I like Texas here just fine.
1: Yeah, I like Texas too, but uh, you know what? Something. The, the gambling person in me says, obviously, bet Texas. Uh, but something else tells me, you know, they, they should beat Texas Tech. Uh, but Maryland doesn't, you know, those Maryland losses don't seem so far away. Uh, maybe I'm going to be a little controversial. I'll pick Texas. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe we <laughs> Texas chokes one away every year. And I'm not going to say it's this one. But I'm not going to rule it out completely. There will be a Texas choke
0: coming, Tom. This is not the one, though. I'll say that. Um, West Virginia taking on Oklahoma State. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show. Uh, both these teams won their uh, week one matchups. Oklahoma State eked by Tulsa. West Virginia dominated uh, Eastern Kentucky. They had about 11 or 12 guys suspended. West Virginia gets all those guys back this week. Um Oklahoma State, we know they got a lot of talent, Tom, with Tylon Wallace and Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders, whether he plays or not. We don't really know much about this West Virginia team. I think Daigie, Jared Daigie, a good quarterback, but there's still a lot of unknown when it comes to the Mountaineers here.
1: Yeah, there is. I know one thing for sure, and and OSU's no going to have to straighten up that front line uh, because there's a, a pair for West Virginia called the Sims twins, and they're pretty badass. And – uh <laughs> excuse me, OSU is going to have to be on the lookout, uh, whether it's Hillingworth or whether it's Sanders again, uh, because the Sims wins are no joke. Uh, and, uh, I mean. The uh, the last game, KU
0: taking on Baylor, and we still don't know if this game is going to happen yet or not with Baylor's COVID-19 concerns, but uh, KU had a just terrible performance against Coastal Carolina uh, at home to open up the season. Uh, This Baylor team, we have yet to see this year. First year under Dave Aranda as their head coach. Uh, Charlie Brewer is back at quarterback, but all their COVID concerns. If this game happens, Tom, you have a KU team that has a game under their belts. They don't have these COVID-19 issues like Baylor does here. You know, I know that KU played so bad in, in that week one game. But this might be an opportunity to surprise some folks here. New head coach for Baylor. We don't know who's going to be out there for them and such. Maybe the Jayhawks could make this a much more interesting game than people think.
1: Uh, Maybe much more interesting than they think. But I think I saw enough in the Coastal Carolina game, you know, Baylor players being out be damned. I think they could make it interesting – I'm not picking KU, not in one game more this year.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you. That, that's uh, just
1: the simple truth. I hate to say it, Jones.
0: I hate to say it. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Miles Kendrick, I would imagine, gets the start at quarterback for the Jayhawks. Uh, he played much better than, than Thomas McVitie did. Uh, Tom came up with a nickname for him that we can't say that would be – we don't want to say that about a college <laughs> kid around here. But it doesn't take much to figure out what that is. Um Uh, I I think Kendrick is going to be much better playing four quarters as opposed to, you know, if you have to play a McVitie there. And uh, Puka Williams, you got to open up the offensive line. If there's no offensive line, it doesn't matter that you have Puka Williams there. They they have to be able to run the football to have a chance against Baylor. But there you have it. That's our Big 12 breakdown for this week. Looking at every game in the Big 12, also every game in the National Football League with our Around the NFL segment. We're going to have more on – these games coming up as we talked to Matt Reynolds. Also got our weekly pick segment coming up, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group later on. And we'll talk NBA playoffs and a little tomfoolery as well before we get out of here. Stick around here on the Jones Report. Matt Reynolds joins us next. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week. He is from CBS Sports Radio in Oklahoma City. Also, prep hoops covering the entire college basketball recruiting scene. It is Matt Reynolds, who's back on the Jones Report. Matt, it's been a while, man. Glad to have you back on. What's going on?
2: Glad to have sports to talk about, Tyler. I mean, since the last time we talked, there wasn't much going on. Now, uh, you know, we've got a lot going on. Almost too much.
0: Right. Uh, Almost. But there's never too much uh, in the sports world. So much that's going on. So much to talk about, man. And uh, first off, got to catch up with you. What have you been up to these days, amid the pandemic and the return to sports and everything, uh, what, what'd you do to uh, pass the time, uh, throughout these uh, last few months, man?
2: Well, you know, when it first started, um, it was very difficult because there really there wasn't much to look forward to. I, I got to give a lot of credit to the Michael Jordan documentary, that is one of the biggest things that got me through. The NFL draft was another one. Uh, I remember in the pandemic literally thinking to myself, all right, we have 12 days to get to the NFL draft. or we have six more days and we get to watch another Michael Jordan episode. It was like a true family event. Um, and I, I spent the pandemic actually uh, out on my parents' ranch in, in the middle of nowhere in the country. Seemed like that was a better spot to be than our uh, downtown condo pressing a bunch of elevator buttons. So we decided to go out there and stay in the left wing of their house and enjoyed it. It was really actually a good time to honestly uh, realize you know, what's important. Family definitely always, you know, very important. But as uh, we can attest to you right now, when we have all these sports, it's so easy to get lost in sports and in life and in our work. And so it was a good time. It honestly, it wasn't too bad for us at all.
0: And you picked up the game of golf, right? Had you not played before the pandemic ever?
2: I had never played. And, I, <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because some. I, some don't realize just how much I think I love the game. Uh, I've had several be like, oh, that's great. You picked up golf. You you know, I played it for a year or something. I'm like, look, folks, I will be playing golf till the day I leave this earth. That is my plan. I never played. And uh, I I started with a buddy. Uh, I had played maybe a couple times before, but it was just honestly because my sister, um, who was really good, she had the opportunity to play college golf. And she was very talented. She was really good. So I watched her but I never really played. I did have a set of clubs from, I think, when I was maybe 13 or 14, 15, somewhere in there. So that's what I was using as I started off. And my buddy and I, would get out there, Greg and I, uh, and we shot like a 125, 130, somewhere in there, at John Conrad, a local course uh, around Oklahoma City. And we just made it a goal to get under 100 for the summer. Now, he started trying to become a firefighter, so he got too busy for life. Uh, so I don't know if he completed that task, but I, I've gotten all the way down to... Uh, shooting an 87 is my best round ever and uh, on a pretty pretty tough course. And how about this? Whistling Straits, which is the, uh, depending on where you look, number two or three public course in the United States, shot a 95 on it. And I still can't tell you to this day how the heck I did that, but uh, had a great caddy and put together <laughs> some nice rounds. So it was. it's fun, though. It's fun. It's very, very fun. I enjoy it greatly.
0: Awesome, man. Glad to see that you're learning the game and picking it up. I love to golf myself. I actually got to play – Matt, in uh, this charity event this weekend up in Bartlesville, uh, I'm going to be playing with a bunch of OU and OSU legends like Mark Clayton and Roy Williams and a few others. And uh, so I got to bring my A game this week. So uh, hopefully no you kidding. can pass, That's awesome. along, pass along that good uh, mojo or voodoo, whatever you got going from whistling Straits. I'll, I'll take it over this weekend as uh, I certainly need to impress on the golf course. But uh, Matt – What course is that? Uh, it's a public, it's a, it's the country club in, uh, Bortlesville. I don't know the name of it off the okay, top of my head, very nice. but should be fun. So, uh, that's what I got going on. But, uh, Matt, I- I'm glad to see you have picked it up, man. We need to go sometime, man. Let's, uh, make that happen at some point. Get some golf, you and you let
2: me know. A matter of fact, how far are you away from Branson, Missouri? Because did you see that yesterday with Tiger Woods? That course is beautiful. I'm only about three hours away. And
0: I was looking at it. The pricing isn't too bad over there either.
2: No, no, it's not at all. Um, I was a little shocked, honestly, at uh, at the price. And I guess I, I either set myself up for failure or set myself up for a great thing with my wife because when you go to Whistling Straits and pay like five fifty dollars for one round of golf, everything that you travel for saves cheaper. Right. That.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, the site that they had, the uh, PGA Championship last year, Uh, up in New York you can play that for like 125 uh, as a non-resident of the state of New York and uh, I'm like okay that's that's fine with me now now they say that that course is for you know the most difficult of players and such but so maybe not that specific course but go up there and check it out for sure Uh, I, I love I think that's what makes traveling so good Matt we'll talk you know more we'll dive into the sports stuff here in just a second the other the things going on but vacations are so much better if you can get at least one round of golf in and check out the course of where you're visiting at that changes the whole trip
2: it does it does definitely and you know i never really i travel a ton as do you and not having played golf before it didn't ever really occur but almost everywhere i go now when i'm going uh, i'm getting ready to go to grand rapids michigan getting ready to go to phoenix dallas and a few other spots every i'm like all right listen where can i fit in around how, how could i and just you see the local courses and they're all different i mean for instance in michigan and in wisconsin i would have never guessed those would be huge golf states but they are so if you're a golfer and you're ever traveling north to one of those two states or to minnesota check it out now they only golf for about four months because it's too cold there but uh it it can be you know just like you said the difference in a a good trip going to a great trip.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, I got to ask you, Matt, you know, part of your traveling is all these basketball tournaments that, that you're covering and working with a prep hoops and everything here. Uh, how has that been as far as these kids, and you know, trying to find a tournament that they can play in, trying to find a venue or a state that will allow them to play. And then just even the high school sports scene as as is, the the state's, you know, whether they're have, allowing schools to play or not, this has got to be a mess right now to try to organize these tournaments as well as with the masks and the social distancing
2: and all that. How are you still putting those together these days? I can tell you, Tyler, it was the hardest worst year of doing the tournament business. Um, I I started in this business as uh, on the scouting side eight years ago, and I still do some scouting stuff, but primarily – My job is directing our our prep hoop circuit, which is uh, summer basketball, the best way to explain it. A lot of people just call it AAU. It's technically, that's an actual organization. So um, we're an organization just like AAU is as well. And for the grassroots scene, that's where all these kids primarily get noticed. And you you look at this year and I just, I was heartbroken for the kids that unfortunately are going to be uh, shafted in their recruitment. And it's not just the 21 class that's the seniors right now. It's also the 22s because we didn't get to know a lot of those guys like we would in the past. So it's going to have an impact, this COVID-19, on recruiting for a long, long time. And it's had an impact in all of our lives, no doubt. So I'm not, you know, unsympathetic to other things. But I was happy that we were able to get, I think it was 12 tournaments that we finished up with over the summer and it was in a very short six-week window and listen it, it was to be honest with you when the when the pandemic started like i told you earlier i went out to my parents ranch said all right i'm hanging out here i'm not going to be around downtown there's really nothing going on and you're in the middle of a pandemic that we really just didn't know much about i try on my radio show and i'll do the same here like i'm not a guy that's going to go super political on something but i will just tell my beliefs of kind of i was scared you know as much as anybody else could have been scared when it started but as you start to learn more about it uh, I've traveled now three or four times and I'm getting ready to travel three or four more times you be smart about it you don't go into big crowds you wear a mask if you are in a big crowd um, and can't help it but we did our best that I think we humanly possible could to keep people safe but to also help kids recruitment and I mean you look at the recruitment of some kids that played in our stuff There's several kids that I can point to right now. They don't have the offers if they didn't play this summer. So I was very happy that for those kids we were able to play, and hopefully the kids that didn't get the offers they wanted still get an opportunity down the line, whether that's in high school or grassroots basketball next year.
0: Yeah, hopefully they they still get the chance to do so. Do you see kind of big picture, Matt? Um, Do the smaller schools that maybe got the players that were expecting the bigger offers or – does this benefit the bigger schools that still got the big cats and and all that Where does this ultimately play out? How does this change the landscape of college basketball of uh just what happened with the pandemic? Do you see this helping or hurting kind of those you know uh you know the uh the the mid major
2: programs of sorts? I think it helps immensely the mid-major programs if they've did their homework if they haven't done their homework and if they were planning on finding all their 21s you know uh that current year then yeah they're probably screwed but if they did their homework early on i mean you look at some of these schools the ivy leagues especially i i think the ivy got some absolutely tremendous players john paladokas uh who's out of the chicago area uh john's john p is just an absolute baller man he ends up going to Yale. He had offers from Minnesota and, and other bigger schools, uh, Butler as well, and that was just the fit for him. I think you're going to see a lot of kids that went to the fit and went to a school that they were comfortable with and already had visited. That's the other thing is, a lot of these kids are being forced to make decisions on what schools they're picking, and they don't even have the opportunity to go visit them. And I just, as a 17, 18 year old kid, it was hard for me to pick to go to Northeastern State. Now it was easy once they paid for my whole school. That was wonderful. I didn't really have though. 10 options if i'd have had 10 options well yeah the the choice would have been a lot harder if all things were equal scholarship wise at the other 10 schools which that's what these kids are facing many of them now and i think even kids that receive these bigger offers if they haven't been there i still think that you'll see several of them go to the smaller schools um you're seeing you know uh here's a good example of this in oklahoma matthew stone who had offers across the board had some great offers he ends up going to north texas It's a school he's comfortable with it's a school i think he'll really excel at and he's got a chance to be an all-conference type guy you know his uh latter half of his career there so i think you'll see some of that and i think that'll play out in the ncaa tournament but also i think in a two three year span we could see a lot of transfers in college basketball from lower levels going up we're already seeing a lot of that but i think you could see even more of that Uh, In the cases where the players did go to a lower level and have just crushed it. Um, And all that being said, yeah, the high major schools, Kansas of sorts, those type of schools, they know who they're recruiting, you know, long before the summer, but there's still kids. I think that could have elevated themselves up Uh, another good Oklahoma example, Sean Padula. He had three or four low D one offers entering the summer. And now he has Oklahoma state, Virginia tech, Minnesota, the list goes on and on and on. The, the young man has made a name for himself this summer with some absolute tremendous plays. So there are players like a Sean Padula that use the summer for their benefit and we're still able to get big offers. But there's still a lot, I think, of other Sean Padulas out there that are going to go to the low major schools. The
0: thing that stood out to me, Matt, and, and I don't cover this like you do. I know you're the expert on this, certainly not me. But what I noticed was, in particular here in Kansas, is that you had guys that, knew that their high school seasons were uncertain, and we're still figuring it out, too. Um, You know, yes, we're having high school football right now, but it's still week by week. Um, Their high school futures are uncertain and everything. We've seen in Kansas some of the top players that were in this state that we were so excited to get to see play, in particular a kid like Juju Ramirez out of Bishop Seabury in Lawrence. He ends up going to an academy in uh, New Hampshire, and uh, another KU in and he already had an offer from KU. You had a uh, one of KU's basketball recruits from Kansas City. He ends up going to an academy as well, and he was already committed to KU. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of these guys, just from my perspective, my vantage point, correct me if I'm wrong on this, were leaving their homes to go to these academies just with the uncertainty if they were even going to have high school basketball or not, that they were leaving – just with the hopes of knowing that they get to play at a, at a school like that, that they'll find a way to play one way or the other at those basketball-specific schools.
2: Right, you're seeing that. IMG's probably been the leader in this down in Florida. Florida's a state that's pretty open, and you know if you're going to Florida, like, look, they've had the state open for a long time. And uh, once again, another thing that I don't want to get into politics, but politics do sometimes go into sports, and even in high school sports, as crazy as that sounds, but in this case... Kids are picking to go to schools that they know will be in states that will ha- are going to have a season or at least going to try everything they can. And if nothing less, if you're at IMG, they're, they're able to inter-squad scrimmage with three or four teams there that all have Division One kids on them. So at, at the worst comes to worst, you play yourselves and you put that on video. That's some good tape to have. So it's all about tape. Tape is the name of the game right now. College coaches are not going to get out anytime soon, whether that's football, basketball, you name the sport. They're not letting Division ones get out. And I think that's a little bit of an asinine rule for you know, the NCA. But, you know, hey, do what you want. Uh, that's, that's their end, so I'll let them keep taking care of it. And I know that they've got a tough job to manage. I just – I hate it for the kids because, you know, so much of this in football and in basketball and in all these sports is – being able to see a kid in person changes a lot of perspectives many times. Yes. Film doesn't lie. And you can study the film, but there's just nothing like in person. And unfortunately, you know, all, all kids across the country, at least through January 1st at this point won't have that opportunity.
0: Yeah, it is certainly unfortunate. Matt Reynolds of CBS sports radio in Oklahoma city prephoops.com joining us as well. And uh, Matt, last thing, just on the, on the college hoops recruiting front and all that, who are some of the local guys uh, that, that you're watching for, the Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, that, that type of kids that, uh, that have stood out to you that, uh, that you're looking at right now?
2: Well, I think uh, kids that got a chance to play in the Big 12, how about we just stay there because there's quite a few of them in this area. You've got Bijan Cortez that's going to the University of Oklahoma. I think he's going to be a really good point guard for Oklahoma. I think he's underrated even uh, in his value. A lot of people around Oklahoma don't realize necessarily how good he was um and is uh he he had an injury this summer so he didn't play at all this summer to his foot also obviously with covid it it just it didn't make a sense for a committed kid to out go out there and play a whole bunch but i know he was dying to play Uh, he's a very very athletic kid that uh, can run the show at the point guard and has improved his shooting a lot he went from around a 25 percent three-point shooter to 53 percent from three in his last high school season so he's making strides in the areas where his game was, uh, you know, the the least significant. So I like seeing that a lot when a player does that. Uh, Sean Badu, I mentioned him earlier. He's down, uh, at, you know, OSU, Virginia Tech, Minnesota, and, and several other schools, Colorado State. They're all kind of in a battle for his talents. Uh, wouldn't be shocked if he ends up in the Big 12. Uh, you've also got Trey Alexander, who – I don't know what's going to happen with Trey Alexander's recruitment. I really don't. He's had kind of a wild ride. He cut OSU from his list. Uh, And if you really look at his list, he's got Kansas in there. He's got Oklahoma in there. But Oklahoma doesn't make a whole bunch of sense considering they just took C.J. Nolan. So I think you can almost take them off the list. I think Kansas could be a landing spot. Um, Arkansas could also be on there. Uh, That's one of his schools, Auburn Ole Miss. So he's going to be a kid that is a national top 50 kid. To definitely keep an eye on. Um, I'll I'll give you one from Texas. This is kind of just one to keep back in your back pocket. And remember, I told you this kid will be in the NBA. Damian Collins, I said this a year ago when I saw him play a few times after the first couple times that this kid was going to be an NBA player. He's now ranked in the top 10 by rivals. When I said that, he wasn't ranked by anybody. He came from Atlanta, Texas, not Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Texas, a very, very small town, but he's a 6'11". Uh, post that just is super athletic, bouncy, can block shots, can do all the things you want a, a big to do around the rim. Now, he's really skinny, but he's putting on some good weight. And, uh, you know, he's he's also adding a jump shot, which is something that I think all bigs have to have nowadays if you look at the NBA. But that, that's a kid for your listeners, Tyler, that I promise you in a, in a few years, if you're listening to this, just remember the name Damian Collins. Unless something really haywire happens, he's going to be an NBA first-round pick.
0: Definitely so. Uh, that'll be fun to see him uh, work out, and uh, we'll remember the name for sure. Uh, I said last thing. Let me add one more. Uh, you know, Bryce Thompson entering his freshman year at the University of Kansas. Uh, you know, we, we know about KU and their guards that they've had over the years. Uh, most recently, Devon Dodson, DeFrank Mason, Devonte Graham. Uh, that point guard position has just been incredible for the Jayhawks over the years. How is uh, Bryce Thompson going to join the fold? How do you expect him to do uh, in the Crimson and Blue?
2: You know, I think he's going to fit right in with what Bill Self likes to do. Um, His aspirations are to make it to the NBA, be a first-round pick. That's what he wants to do. That's his ultimate goal. And Kansas can definitely help him get there. Kansas has a great history um, throughout all of their positions. I mean, it's not just like they've only had guards, of course, Joel Embiid. I mean, those goes on and on. They've had great players all over the place. But I think in particular, when you think about Kansas point guard and having a great point guard always comes up, he's stepping into some big shoes. Um, How he feels them in his freshman year is going to be really fun to watch. I think, you know, uh, let's all cross our fingers and pray and hope that we have a college basketball season. And if we do, I think you'll have Bryce Thompson leading the way for the Jayhawks. And sure, he may have some freshman struggles at some points. I mean, all freshmen do. Trey Young had one of the best seasons we've ever seen in college basketball and had a had a little bit of a downstretch at time, but he quickly snapped out of it. So I will say this to Kansas fans. If Bryce Thompson does struggle at all uh, early on, remember he's a freshman, and I think he'll bounce back. I think it's only going to be a couple games, you know, or a freshman – Wall is going to hit at some point for sure, but I think he's the type of kid that will eventually bust through that wall and he's going to have a terrific uh, freshman season and terrific career at Kansas.
0: Well, and and KU seems so committed now to that four-guard lineup. If you start him along with uh, you know Christian Brown, uh, Ocha Abadji, and Marcus Garrett, if those are your four guards, and then add in a big, like McCormick – Uh, or mitch lightfoot or you know silvio whoever it may be watch out uh they could be able to score a lot of points this upcoming season i'm excited hopefully we get uh college basketball season in and see bryce thompson uh for ku this year we'll move on uh talking college football this is the opening week for the big 12 conference matt uh first week of a big 12 conference games what are you expecting out of this league this year after that one week of non-conference games that we had were just a dud. I mean, there was nothing impressive the Big 12 did. Even in the games that they won, they didn't look spectacular by any stretch. OSU barely gets by Tulsa. Texas Tech barely gets by Houston Baptist. I mean, all around, that non-conference slate was just just awful for the Big Why did we even bother playing non-conference
2: games in, in the Big 12? No one else did. It, it seems uh, a little silly at this point, right? I mean, it, it does. I think the Big 12, if they could look back on it in hindsight, they would say, yeah, we're just going to go into Big 12 play. And if Iowa State loses to Kansas State or loses to Kansas or vice versa, however it goes, you know, it doesn't look near as bad. But it was as bad as it could have gone for the Big 12 conference. And, you know, having been in person at the Oklahoma game and at the Oklahoma State game the following week, uh, you know, Oklahoma looks great, but what's new? You know, yeah, they're, one, they're playing Missouri State. So let's keep that in perspective, right? But uh, I do expect Oklahoma to be up there. Texas looked great. Remember, they're playing UTEP. It wasn't like a, some masterful win. But I, I, I just think it was kind of a lose-lose situation for the Big 12. All they were trying to do is find an extra game. And I go back to they should have asked BYU or someone like them to just join the conference for one year. And then you have another quality opponent instead of allowing your teams to have the opportunity to lose to a Louisiana or to lose to a coastal Carolina, you take that away from them. And yeah, BYU is a tougher opponent, but BYU is also a much better looking loss if that's your loss,
0: right? Uh, for sure, and uh, and not to mention BYU is playing good football here in 2020. They would have been a quality opponent, it looks like, if you would have added them into the fold. Uh, with that being said, uh, you have this uh, week one slate, Matt. Uh, what, what are you looking for out of a week one for the Big 12 here? What, what, what do you think is going to happen?
2: Biggest game I'm honestly looking for. Well, first and foremost, let's hope all the games happen. I don't think – I'll say this, and by the time you put out this podcast, this game may be canceled, but I don't think Oklahoma is going to play Kansas State. But I'm, I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm hoping all the games play, uh, to be quite frankly. But uh, the Big 12 has at least set themselves up with a few bye weeks, so that's good. Uh, game, game that I have, though, marked on my slate is the Oklahoma State game. And for a number of reasons, but the biggest being I don't think we'll see Spencer Sanders – uh, I, and if that's the case, then they've got to find a way just to win. I don't. I, if they win by half a point, a point, it doesn't matter. Just win the game because if the Big 12 loses a team like Oklahoma State this early in the season, as far as the national championship race is considered, it would be devastating. They need OSU to be really good. They need Texas to be really good, and they need Oklahoma to be really good. Anything after that is just icing on the cake but those three teams I think have to carry this conference and for as bad as their offense looked against Tulsa, the defense looked great for OSU. So I just wonder if they can piece together something and figure out a way to kind of save the season because they have West Virginia this week. If they can win this week, they pretty much have two buys back to back. Now I know that was a shot at Kansas, so I apologize, (laughs) but they do, they do have Kansas and I think they could get past them the next week.
0: Well, and, and, uh, Illingworth, this guy comes in, was lights out to lead Oklahoma State on that comeback victory against Tulsa. Um, You know, Matt, I I don't know how much you follow the spreads and everything, but I think if Illingworth would have come in right away for Sanders, OSU probably goes ahead and wins that game running away. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking with that backup they threw in there. I mean, he was terrible. Uh, Illingworth, this guy, he might even, and, and maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but uh, I, I think Spencer Sanders better watch his back here. I mean, this guy looks like the real deal. This uh, four-star freshman that
2: got he came in with some super, super swagger, which uh, you kind of need that, especially when they were going through what they were going through uh, last Saturday against Tulsa. Um, uh, yeah, first, first and foremost, I'll, I'll I will point out this in Mike Gundy's defense. Ellingworth hadn't practiced in two weeks before that game. They were really debating whether to even suit him up. The only reason they suited him up is as an absolute last resort. And so that's why Ethan Bullock goes in the game for Oklahoma State. It wasn't that he's the number two. It was just that Ellingworth hadn't practiced. Now, that's something I do think coaches are going to have to adjust to because you got to just go with the talent sometimes, even if they haven't practiced. You just got to go with the talent. It is what it is. Uh, that's easy to say, though, from our positions. Hard, I'm sure, from Mike Gundy and his spots because he wants his guys to practice. I mean, as would anybody. But when Illingworth came in the game, like I said, I was there. There was, I think, 15,000, somewhere around there. It was loud. Like, it was loud. For, for a COVID-19 game, it was the loudest. I mean, it was put to this way. It was 100 times louder at the Oklahoma State game when he, he entered than it was ever loud at OU when they were just killing Missouri State. Part of that's because OU's fans just aren't always the loudest in general, and I I think OU might have had a little bit less people. But regardless, Oklahoma State's crowd really lifted them up when he came in the game, and I think that that helped. I think when Illingworth trotted out there, knowing that, wow, the the fan base is behind me, this is awesome. I got to think that helped him with some confidence, and then after he made that first throw, which let's be honest, he just threw it up. And Tyler Wallace went out and made the play. But you complete a big pass like that, it gave the team confidence. It gave him confidence. He only threw five passes, Tyler. Completed four of them, though, and they were four big ones.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've been watching our time on ESPN+, Plus, Matt, and I've always thought that Mike Gundy was a little wacky. Uh, this man is crazy. I mean, this this guy's a nut job. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like that, you know, he, he doesn't know where he's at sometimes, that things are just – out of control with that program from time to time here. But, you know, maybe he's one of these types that, you know, crazy is a good thing of some sorts because obviously he's been very successful there. Do you think that Mike Gundy has things under control here? We know how weird this offseason was for them uh, with, you know, the with T-shirt gate and all that stuff. Do you think things have finally settled down here, or do you think things are still a little out of control
2: there in Stillwater? Well, if i tell you that they would settle down, they'd probably blow up tomorrow. So I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer on that one because Mike gunny's so unpredictable. He was about as short as you've ever heard a coach be after his, his first press um, gathering after the T-shirt incident last week or this, this past week here on, it was either Tuesday or Monday. Can't remember exactly what day he had his press conference, but he was literally joking with reporters very jovial very kind and just like wait a second where where did this come from where did this isn't the same guy so i i think part of it is mike gundy as do all of us uh that are in this business sometimes we just need some football and when you get football it just helps the mind and the soul and i i think that may uh that may have been it to be quite honest
0: hmm. So strange. Uh, let's move on. We'll talk uh, OU now. You mentioned the Sooners and their big-time win that they had against Missouri State a couple weeks ago. Granted, an FCS opponent, but they did complete the shutout, scored like what was it, 31 points in the first quarter. Uh, Spencer Sanders, we, we've or uh, Spencer Rattler. Not the first time I've mistaken the two. Spencer Rattler. Uh, I mean, this guy has, you know, given more hype than I think I've ever seen before for a freshman quarterback, but he was just awesome I loved what he was able to do in that uh, performance uh, there against Missouri State do you think how good is this guy uh, going to be for uh, the suitors uh, there in his time in Norman Matt
2: he's going to win a Heisman um, he's going to win Heisman I mean he's going to do what Oklahoma quarterbacks seem to do uh, what's so impressive about him is when he flicks the ball it's like he's not even trying and the ball goes 50 yards It's absolutely insane I, I have not seen a quarterback um, have the arm this close, uh, being this close up to them and actually getting a chance to to see. Uh, and maybe Sam Bradford was this way. I've, I'll be honest. I don't. I was so young that I couldn't tell you. Um, I didn't watch for the things that I'm watching for now. So maybe I, I've heard a few people compare it to that. Maybe that's the case. But as far as what I know, I've never seen a kid just come in and throw it so effortlessly and just put it on the money. He's very, very accurate, which is just what we've seen in – Oklahoma quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, those, those guys, they are very accurate. Last year, Jalen Hurts was like complete opposite. I mean, it was weird to see Oklahoma's quarterback not be that great at throwing the football. Now they found ways to be successful, but uh, I think Lincoln Riley's yeah, he's put a true sermon on him. He's probably pretty happy. He's got this guy named Spencer Rattler throwing the ball around and kind of back to, back to normal offense with Oklahoma. Like I said, Jalen Hurts presented some things that they were able to do in the run game that they won't be able to do with Spencer. But uh, still, just, just a very talented young man, and yes, he was playing an FCS team that was complete garbage, but those throws, even on air, some of them are pretty darn good.
0: Um, when you look at uh, Rattler and uh, this Oklahoma team, they lost a lot from last year, uh, besides Jalen Hurts. I-, I think the quarterback position is going to be fine, but... When, when you see, you know, Kennedy Brooks sits out, Trey Sermon goes to Ohio State, uh, City Lamb is now playing for the Cowboys and everything. Do you, at, at Oklahoma, we, we know that they, you know, don't rebuild, they reload. Have they reloaded? Are they going to be just fine? Or, or are there some holes with uh, some of those positions considering how much they lost?
2: I think there's definitely some holes. Anybody telling you not would be crazy. You know, uh, maybe a Homer. Uh, I might even say, I I, I think that they're still going to win the big 12. I think they'll still go to the final four. So I'm not saying they won't, but there's still some major question marks at running back. You lose Trey sermon and Kennedy Brooks, two guys that, uh, I mean, were your workhorses and Kennedy Brooks opts out. Trey sermon goes to Ohio state, uh, which was a little bit of a bad break for him. Welcome to the big 10. But, uh, you know, I, I the running backs they have are good. I'm not saying they're not. I love Seth McGowan. I think he's going to be a stud. Wasn't the biggest fan of what Marcus Major did last Saturday. Um, hopefully he can, you know, maybe progress and show us some more things that we like to see um, uh, against Kansas State or whoever their next opponent ends up being when he's out there. TJ Pledger was also missing due to COVID. Uh, so I think some of it is actually lack of depth issues at running back. And then I think if you look at defense – It's very easy to say, yes, they've got some dudes. I will say this. For the very first time, they actually look like they have athletes in some areas that I don't feel like they've had athletes in quite some time. Uh, But you look at particularly the linebacker, you know, linebacking core, you lose Caleb Kelly to an injury, unfortunately. And you also lost, obviously, Kenneth Murray to the draft. So that's tough. Uh, Winfrey has slid in, and I think he's going to be able to replace uh neville gallimore who was a a top what second round draft pick for the dallas cowboys so there's some guys that are going to be able to fill those spots tyler but they are new and i think it is going to take them some time to adjust so i think the talents there it's just how long does the adjustment process take
0: right exactly uh matt we got a few more minutes left with you so i want to ask you about the uh the national football league uh through two weeks what's uh what stood out to you in this nfl season so far matt
2: Kyler Murray for MVP, right there with Russell Wilson. I think those two have been tremendous. And Cam Newton, he's throwing the football amazingly as well. So those are the, those are the instant ones on the bad case scenario. Baker Mayfield, I do think he caught a little bit of a bad rap at times he has in this league. Because, I mean, he's ninth overall in QBR right now in the whole league through two weeks. So it's not like he's absolutely garbage like some people like to make him out. But even as a big Baker fan, Baker has not been Baker until this last game so I am looking to see what he does going forward but I was disappointed in week one I do think OBJ and sometimes pressing the ball to him too much is a little bit of an issue for the Browns so uh we'll, we'll see uh but yeah I, I like Kyler Murray a lot like what he's doing Cliff Kingsbury how about it can't can't win games consistently at Texas Tech but is winning right now at 2-0 and in the big in the uh, NFL the the bigger league obviously of sorts and We'll see. I'm really looking forward to uh, next week's game, though, with the Chiefs taking on Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is going to be a blockbuster-type game. And, you know, the NBA may have a a game six, game seven, I believe it would be, for the Western Conference that night. I'm going to tell you right now, if I was the NBA, I'd move the game because I, you, you don't want to compete against that.
0: No, this is the game of the year in the NFL uh, between Lamar and uh, Patrick Mahomes, the last two MVPs the uh, last two number one seeds in the AFC. How do you like that game to uh, shake out? Who's the better team right now, Matt? Is it uh, the Chiefs or is it the Ravens?
2: I think the Ravens are going to win just because I think their defense has turned up even another level. Lamar Jackson didn't even play good last week and they still won the game pretty easily. Uh, And I think the Chiefs have a little bit of Super Bowl allure about them. I mean, I, I just... That can be good and bad. I think last week you saw it was kind of bad. They just uh, – the Chargers, yeah, they're they're improved. But you shouldn't be in an overtime battle with a rookie quarterback in his very first game. So I, I would like to see the Chiefs come out and hopefully prove me wrong. Uh, but I think it's going to be a great close game. And I, I ultimately have Baltimore winning, which is that game – that game's in Baltimore, correct? It is. No fans in Baltimore. So no fans. So that's not going to play a factor in – that that's honestly the most intriguing thing about the nfl and college season is how the no fans is impacting games and then even how like in cleveland they had 6000 fans the other night and it seems like a very minuscule thing for 6000 people to be in there but i promise you that helped the spirits of the players because just watching it in person in the games that i've been at in stillwater and at, at uh, norman for the two college games you can tell it does make a difference when those players hear a crowd get behind them, even if it's a, a little roar compared to the, what it used used to be.
0: Oh, yeah. Travis Kelsey said last week after playing at the Chargers, I never want to play in an empty stadium ever again. Well, get ready, dude. Uh, you're about to do it next week. And uh, going to see it a lot throughout the season. Last thing, we'll let you run on this. I know that you follow the Cowboys closely there in Oklahoma City, not too far from you guys. A uh, little trouble in paradise with Mike McCarthy doesn't seem like – they're off to the start they would have liked to be been at uh, for this season. Uh, And a lot of it
2: falls on McCarthy with some of the decisions he's made. It looked like Jason Garrett was coaching the team last week, Tyler. It really did. (laughs) Uh, They want to blame everything on Jason Garrett, and he was the beating drum for so many people when they talked about bashing the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think you can say that anymore. I said it on the radio show, and I really believe this, I think it is a culture problem with the Dallas Cowboys. It starts with Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, and goes from the top down that they just have a little bit of a culture issue. And until they get that culture issue solved, I don't believe they'll win a Super Bowl championship.
0: Matt, uh, before we let you run, where can people find you and see all the great work you're doing with uh, CBS OKC and Prep Hoops?
2: For CBS, uh, you can check us out, uh, OKC CBS Sports 105.3, so 105.3 if you're in town. If you're not in town streams by PPBC is the app for us. Uh, you can download that. It gets you right to us directly. That's very, very simple. Uh, prep hoops, prep If you've got any uh, high school athletes that are basketball players, it's always a good place to go. And uh, that's pretty much it. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Reynolds and three underscores right after that. That is my name. So sure. Tyler, thanks so much. Good catching up as always. Absolutely.
0: And uh, we'll be talking throughout the year. I'm going to do a weekly segment on Matt's radio show and, and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, great stuff as always, Matt. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.
2: Talk soon. Thanks, Tom.
0: Time for another edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pickem, where we have our weekly college football and NFL picks against the spread. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you. We're joined by Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group. We call him Coach Bow around here, Coach. Uh, you had a, a decent week last week. Uh, you, you went, uh, what was it, uh, about five and five last week? You're ten and ten overall, so not too bad. How you feeling uh, actually, heading into week three?
3: Actually, I had a horrible week last week. I went three and seven after the seven and three. That's why I'm ten and ten. Oh, okay. um, this has been, yeah. Uh, look, don't take my picks and go gamble. Plain and simple. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this, but. Do not gamble on my picks. I wouldn't gamble on Tyler's picks either, frankly. But <laughs> uh, maybe
0: not. But instead take that money to a counter advisory group and invest.
3: That's right. We're ready for you. We want to talk to you, especially if you've changed jobs. You know, this is COVID world. If you had to change jobs or careers, we want to chat with you. We can help you out with some of the planning you need to do. So we're there for you. We're not gonna gamble with your money. <laughs> and where can people contact you, Bo? And you can catch me right now on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. It's a O-C-O-N-N-O-R, O'Connor Advisory Group. Or you can call me at 785-856-0720. 0720 to
0: schedule an appointment today. TJ Reeves also joins us on our football insider uh the shark out here or his record would indicate otherwise seven uh,
4: am i even am i even welcome back after last <laughs> week I, I thought i had to be like in witness protection after last week guys
0: you two and eight you're seven and thirteen we're hoping for a bounce back <laughs> week but tj i i gotta give you credit just on your your broadcasting front you've seen some of the biggest games in the country the last couple of weeks you had the buck saints mm-hmm. game on radio and then uh, the Miami-Louisville uh, game last week. Where are you headed to this weekend?
4: Going to be Miami and Florida State this week. Uh, the Hurricanes looked good last week in Louisville, although I wasn't bold enough to take them last week as the underdog. I don't, did any of us have Miami in that one? I think we all had Louisville across the board I took Miami. on that one. You did have Miami on that one. And, and we got roughed up by, uh, by two or three underdogs showing up big. Uh, so we're only looking ahead this week is all I'm saying. We're just we're – go, we're going forward here. We're not looking backward on week two.
0: Okay. I like that. I like that approach. Uh, Thomas Bridges, uh, last week uh, you went – what was it? Uh, five and five. Out of all of us, Thomas has the best record, 11 and nine. Bo and I are at 10 and 10, and TJ's a little bit back at 7 and 13. So let's go ahead and get started <laughs> right away with uh, our first game. Auburn and Kentucky SEC play getting underway this weekend. The Tigers are a ten and a half point favorite against the Kentucky team. We'll start with TJ. That the uh, Wildcats, this might be the most hype they've ever been in school history going into one year.
4: I like how you're getting biblical with me. The last shall be first. I get to go first because I've picked so poorly so far this year. I don't know what to make of a lot of these SEC games because, again, it's the first game and they don't usually play a conference game. Usually there's like one conference game – uh from all the schools right off the bat they usually a lot of them play a cupcake game at the beginning auburn favored at home i know kentucky has been good but give me give me auburn at home without really knowing here in the and the home field advantage i'll take the tigers
0: all right how about you Bob? all
3: right so uh tj you went first so that we can make sure we don't pick what you pick <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Actually, i I did write down Kentucky plus the 10.5. That's not a knock on TJ. Um, I like Kentucky. I like Kentucky because I think that Coach Stoops has done a good job of bringing in athletes there. They are so much more athletic these last two seasons under him than they have been before. Uh, I'm taking Kentucky. It's a big spread for a first week. So I'll take Kentucky in 10.5. That's where I'm
0: thinking, Bo, is just too many points. I like Auburn to win this game. Bo Nix, I think he's going to have a big year and such. But. Kentucky coming in, all the hype they have this year, I think they can keep it within a touchdown. i like them to cover, but Auburn ultimately to win. Tom, who are you going with?
1: You know It is almost a few too many points, but I feel good about Auburn coming in. Um, And they're at home. Uh, You know, SEC is going to have fans too. I was told I was at the Oklahoma State game, and a lot of people said how loud it was even with the limited number of fans. uh, I like it to be probably even double at Auburn, and I think they pull off the win.
0: All right, let's keep it moving here. Number 22, Army, take it on Cincinnati. Cincinnati ranked 14th in the country. The uh, Bearcats are a 14-point favorite. Bo, we'll start with you this time. Is that too many points for Cincinnati against the Soldiers?
3: It is too many points, in my view. That's exactly what I wrote down. Army plus 14, just too many points. I'm going to go ahead and take Army. Uh, Thomas, who are you liking this one?
1: Uh, I agree with Coach. I think it's too many. Uh, Army looks like they've been playing decent, and, and I think they keep it rolling. They might not win, but uh, I think they will cover.
0: TJ, it seems like Army's a popular pick. You jumping on that bandwagon as
4: well? I, I am, and this is scaring me because we all took the gas pipe like four times together last week. So now this is scaring <laughs> me that we're going to be unanimous on my Army upset, the one that I really like. Uh, I don't know that they will win the game. They will keep it close. They're 2-0. and They've had an off week because BYU couldn't play them last week because of the COVID outbreak for BYU. Uh, Cincinnati only one week to prepare for the triple option. Uh, Army, a year ago against Michigan, I know last year is last year, was a 22-point underdog, forced double overtime, should have won the game. This is a great spot for them to cover. If not win, I love Army.
0: I don't think I've picked against Army since that overtime game against Oklahoma. We'll keep riding the momentum from last year. I'll go with Army to uh, cover as a 14-point underdog. I like Cincinnati to win the game. Another close ACC game, Louisville – Taking on Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh a three-point favorite, Louisville ranked 24th, Pittsburgh ranked 21st. We'll start with TJ this time. TJ, you saw, you saw Louisville last week. You think the lows back-to-back?
4: Well, they're very explosive on offense. Malik, Cunningham, the quarterback, dual threat, good touch on the ball. Their their problem wasn't scoring against Miami. They put four touchdowns on the board in the second half. They just couldn't stop the Hurricanes, so that could be a problem. Pittsburgh did not look good. They did what they had to do against Syracuse. Syracuse may be one of the worst Power 5 teams in America. This could be Louisville in a shocker. I'll take the Cardinals here against Pitt on the road.
1: All right, Thomas, who are you going with this, time? You know, I will pick the opposite here. I will go Pittsburgh. Um, I picked the Hurricanes last week. Um, Did not think that it would be that sort of a game. Um, And I will continue to pick against Louisville uh, simply because I like Pittsburgh more at this point. But I don't have too much confidence in it, but uh, I will go Pittsburgh. I'll go Louisville.
0: I'll agree with TJ here, which kind of scares me a bit. But (laughs) the offense is so good there, I think that they'll bounce back this week and and respond with a win uh, against uh, Pittsburgh there. Hey, Uh, Tyler.
4: uh, Yes, go ahead. Tyler, they got a a speedster player named Tutu Atwell that is a ton of fun, and he's going to give Pitt fits in this game. Let's see what happens.
0: Okay, Bo, who you got?
3: Got Louisville as well. I think Louisville's in the bounce back game after laying an egg in the first half against Miami. Uh, I see this a little bit of a bounce back. I like Louisville to win the game. So I like Louisville outright, but I'll take the plus three. Okay. Uh, all
0: right. So uh, we're kind of split there between uh, Louisville and Pitts. West Virginia taking on number 15, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys in eight and a half point favorite we don't know if Spencer Sanders is going to be ready to go or not Tom you'll be at this game let's have you break it down for us how does this one work out for the Cowboys as they come off a disappointing performance even though they won last week against Tulsa
1: so Jones you know we talked about this a little bit earlier Uh, I liked what the defense had to do yes it was against Tulsa Um, Tulsa though has some players I think they were out without Shamari Brooks who may be gone for the season with a torn ACL. I think that's what it is. Uh, but Tulsa, you know, they, <clears throat> they showed up to play. They, they played what was on the field. And unfortunately for Oklahoma State, that was Ethan Bullock. And I don't like to hate on any kid, but uh, if you any of you got to see that, what that was, it was uh, incredibly horrible. Um, Spencer Sanders goes down the second drive. Out for the game, high ankle sprain. We'll see what they do with him this week. But bright spot after about three and a half quarters, it seemed like maybe it's felt like forever. With for the Ethan Bullock kid, they take the four-star kid Shane Ellingworth and put him in. Uh, when he stepped on the field, he's from Cali. Uh, they played California Love, um, and since they as soon as they played that, I know it was on first dime was the Tylen Wallace first drive down the field. Um, Scored a touchdown. Uh, definitely was needed. If if Ellingworth goes, I I still have a good feeling. Spencer Sanders may get the start. Uh, you know, she doesn't like to talk a whole lot uh, about that. So I'm I'm gonna take Oklahoma State. Um, biased to you know to a point where it might not go well for me, but I will take Oklahoma State. I believe in this Shane Ellingworth kid. We suffered three quarters too many of Ethan Bullock. Uh, and, and if Spencer Sanders goes, I, I think they could pull this off. Okay. Also, we're in the Thurman Thomas jerseys, the 87 Classics. The 87 okay. Classics honoring Thurman Thomas at halftime. You can't lose this game. Right. I'd I
0: like Oklahoma <laughs> State to win, but I think it's close. I think eight and a half is too many points. I'll go West Virginia to cover in this one. I think Seth Dagey uh, is a decent quarterback there for uh, West Virginia as well with uh, what he, he's able to do. Uh, let's start with, uh, with TJ this time. TJ, who are you going with, the uh, Pokes or uh, West Virginia?
4: West Virginia had a bunch of suspensions that are now cleared up for this game. I love Barry Sanders. I still think that, what was it, 88 season is, the, is arguably the greatest running back season ever, and that's saying something in college football with all the records that he broke. They're going to honor him, but I think this is a close game. I'll take the pl- – I think Oklahoma State wins, but I'll take the points with West Virginia to keep it close. As ugly as last week was, I can't see them covering that eight and a half points.
3: Ball, who you got? I'm taking West Virginia plus the eight and a half. Pardon me. It's just uh, just based on the quarterback situation. Until we know a little more there, I just don't have any confidence there. If I was actually going to gamble this game, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because of that uh, instability. <laughs> but um, just not having that knowledge, it's just hard to know. But I'm going to go take the points based upon the instability of quarterback Oklahoma State.
0: Okay. Uh, last game for you. Tennessee taking on South Carolina. The balls, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. They come in ranked 15th in the country uh, – or 16th, rather, one of their highest rankings in years – uh, Bo, you follow the SEC closely as an LSU fan. Uh, I, what, what do you think of this matchup uh, between these two with Tennessee favored at three and a half?
3: I like Tennessee. Uh, this is the only favorite I'm taking out of all my college picks here. Um, South Carolina, just uh, will Will must a great uh, – a good, good coach. They're just not recruiting the horses there they need to be competitive in the SEC. And uh, Tennessee – we look at – going back to last season, look great coming out the gate. I think they were 5-0, and then they just went into the absolute tank. But I think they'll be ready. I think that South Carolina being on the road, <clears throat> it's not going to be a tough game. Uh, tough getting over there, Columbia getting in and out. Um, I like Tennessee. TJ,
0: uh, are they feeling like it's 98 in Knoxville these days?
4: There is a lot of hype. There is a lot of excitement. Interesting that uh, Will Muschamp in South Carolina lost last year to Tennessee. That was the first time he had lost to them as a head coach. He had beaten them the previous seven times at Florida and at South Carolina. The Vols, though, I think have better talent here. I will lay the points again. Who knows with the SEC? Because nobody's played a game for these first couple of weeks. Uh, but you know they've had a lot of practice. But I'll take Tennessee. I'll I'll lay the points with Tennessee on the road.
0: Okay, uh, I'll go with Tennessee as well. Tom, uh, you're going to complete the sweep. Are you going with the Vols as well?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Vols as well. And, and like TJ mentioned, we haven't, we haven't seen anything from the SEC, so it's kind of hard to judge. But uh, I have more confidence in Auburn than I do in Tennessee, but I will roll with the Volunteers.
0: All right. So those are our college picks. Let's move on to the National Football League. Chiefs and Ravens. The Ravens are <laughs> a three-and-a-half point favorite on Monday Night Football. The game of the year – in the NFL this season. And I know the Chiefs didn't play too great against the Chargers last week, but I'm telling you guys, the Chiefs, uh, the, the issues that we saw there were with the offensive line and the secondary, those are fixable. I think that they have a good performance against the Ravens. Not only do I like my Chiefs to cover i like the chiefs to win out right on the road in baltimore there's not going to be an intimidating atmosphere with no fans there patrick mahomes has never lost a game by more than seven points uh and he's never lost to lamar jackson the ravens either i like the chiefs to take care of business on the road at three and a half uh let's go to uh thomas next uh top who are you going with uh chiefs and ravens baltimore a three and a half point favorite
1: you know i i think that Baltimore has a good enough defense. We saw what the Chargers were able to do against Patrick Mahomes and and laid him on his ass one too many times. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, that was – he was in the tub. I'm sure he he took a small ice bath at halftime, came back and ended up pulling it out. But um, for the sake of being different, I will go with the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson gets his revenge in Baltimore. Um, I like what the Ravens are doing. I like what the Chiefs are doing. Chiefs are my Super Bowl pick. Uh, I just think the Ravens get the best better of them on Sunday. All right, TJ. Monday, want- Monday. Sorry, Monday. Monday
0: night. Yes. TJ, uh, you want to make some friends in Kansas City?
4: We just go for the throat right in the, uh, the Lawrence, Kansas City Metro market, because you just go right to Monday night football, skip all the Sunday games uh, on this. I like the Chiefs, uh, here as the road team. Uh, the only thing is, can we arrange for the Chargers doctor to give, uh, Lamar Jackson, the injection uh, and puncture the lung like he did on Tyrod Taylor last week. That was very beneficial, although Herbert played well. The rookie out of Oregon played well against the Chiefs in the spot start. He didn't know he was starting, but what a wild story that is. I, I still – I like Kansas City to win this game. Give me the points. Give me the Chiefs.
0: Okay. Uh, TJ uh, made some friends in, uh, in Lawrence and in Kansas City. Uh, Bo, what do you think about this matchup between KC uh, and Baltimore.
3: All right, three and a half scares me. Um, it's hard to not take the Chiefs in three and a half. These are the best two teams in the NFL. Uh, these are by far the best two teams. Um, I think the Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now. I like the Ravens to win the game. I don't know if they're to cover three and a half. The hook is the thing I'm worried about. But I'm going to go ahead and lay the three and a half. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a game. I think well, this is going to be this rivalry. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes is the new Tom Brady, Peyton man. These guys want to want to one up. They're going to want to one up each other every year. I predicted before the season. I liked Lamar Jackson and I liked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to take the Ravens minus three and a half at home. Like I said, the hook scares me, but I'm going to go with it.
0: Okay. So you go with the Ravens on Monday night. How about uh, what Fox is dubbing America's game of the week between the uh, Saints and Packers? Actually, that's the Sunday night game on ABC. Uh, New Orleans is a uh, three-point favorite going up against the Packers, who are red hot. Bo, you're, the Saints are your team. Uh, I know you were disappointed with their Monday night performance. Do the Saints bounce back at home against the Packers at, th- at a three-point favorite?
3: In a word, nope. Ooh. Wrong team favorite. The Saints are in trouble. I'm a card carrying member of the Houdette Nation, but Drew Brees cannot throw a football from one end of my backyard to the other right now. They are in a lot of trouble. Their defense played like shit this past week. Drew Brees look, is watched. We <laughs> talked, I didn't get a chance to mess with TJ last week about how bad Brady played week one, but Brees played just as bad. Breeze has looked horrible in these first two games. And that entire offense runs through him. With no Michael Thomas. Their offensive line's not playing well. Their DBs aren't playing well. The Packers are going to win this game. They're going to win it. And they're going to win by a touchdown. So give me three. Give me the Packers. And as a Saints fan, oh, shit, this is going to suck to watch.
0: <laughs> TJ, uh, what do you think of that? Who are you going with?
4: I got I to gotta follow that. Uh, look, they were shoveling dirt on Tom Brady like nine days ago, and, and yet he played well in game two. They were anointing the Saints as the NFC champs, and now my man Bo here is already shoveling dirt on the Saints after a bad performance. They miss Michael Thomas. That's his go-to guy to help move the sticks, et cetera. That's going to make a difference. Uh, again, if there's any team that you can point to and say they desperately miss the fans at home, it's the Saints. In that environment, in the Superdome, and the Packers have put what eighty-five points on the board the first couple of games. I fear for you, my friend. Uh, let's go, let's go, Green Bay here. I like. I, I'm going two for two in the primetime games with the road team. Green Bay to win the game.
0: Bo, I'm with you. Wrong team favored here. I think the Packers win this one by a touchdown, and we're seeing the Aaron Rodgers of old. Last year, the same things were being said about Breeze and Brady were said about Rodgers, that he had taken a step back, and now he's got some new life in him. i like them to win this one in New Orleans. Tom, who are you going with here?
1: You know, I've been high on the Packers since uh, week one. I mean, we're only two games. I'm still high on them. And if I could, I would replace my Super Bowl pick from the Saints uh, to the Packers because we're going we're getting it, it I thought it was going to be one or two signature Aaron Rodgers games, uh, and it's been pretty much two. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the third one. I'm going with a signature Aaron Rodgers season. Uh, all things right so far said about the Saints. Drew Brees doesn't look like, you know, he didn't look like he could throw me a pass. Um, um, so I don't know what to. I don't know what's what's with the Saints. They miss the fans a lot, and if they had the fans, I, didn't, I mean, I think he even said it that it was a seven point, maybe a seven point swing with the fans even. Um, so, and, and there was another thing said this week about Drew Brees that he only came back this season because the Saints were looking to get Tom Brady, and he didn't want Tom Brady to have his job. Uh, <laughs> oh. I wholeheartedly believe that. So, um, <laughs> I got to take the Packers, and I I think they win by more than a touchdown.
0: Okay, so we all are with the Packers. Uh, clean sweep there. That's a little surprising uh, that that's the case, but nonetheless, uh, we'll get to our uh, next game here. Uh, next on the slate is uh, the Bills and the Rams. Both teams off to a good start to 2020. Bills are a two-point favorite at home. Tom, you're the Rams fan here. Break this game down for us real quick.
1: So, Jones, I convinced you last week um, on the Rams. I'm going to try to do so again this week since, I, you know, we know how it's going to end up here. Um, Rams, good showing against the Eagles. Uh, you know, I don't think that's saying a whole, whole lot because the Eagles' line was decimated. Uh, The defense, I thought, played pretty well. Um, Second half really showed. Jared Goff, you know, I had my doubts about him, paid him all that money. Really, last year, I I was pretty pissed uh, at that. This year, looks like Sean McVay has uh, rejuvenated him in a way that I didn't think was going to be possible. Uh, He's not, you know, throwing anything crazy. Uh, He's just doing what needs to get done. Looks good. I think he was 15 of 15 in the Eagles game before he missed his first pass. Bill's a little bit more difficult than the Eagles. Um, I It is it is in Buffalo, um, and the Rams are kind of on a road trip flying out east for a while. Um, Rams are a one-point dog. I think the Rams just go ahead and win outright. I like what Sean McVay's done. I'm biased to a point, again, but uh, I've taken the Rams – First two, first two games of the season so far, I'm going to keep rolling.
0: Okay. I'll take the Bills in this one. I think Josh Allen and company is going to be a little bit too much uh, this week. And I, that the Bills defense is better than they're giving credit for. I'll go with the Bills in that one. Uh, TJ, who you like here?
4: I know you're running low on time, so we'll go quickly here. This is more not believing in Buffalo than it is the Rams. I'm going to go L.A. to be three for three here, staying on the East Coast. I'll take them.
0: Okay, Bo. Who you got?
3: I believe in both these teams. Honestly, um, I like the Bills, uh, not the witnesses. I like the Bills for the season. Um, I like the Rams. I'm taking the Rams. I'm taking the Rams pretty much every week from now on. I'm bought in with this team. I think that the, the Bills are going to have trouble with the defensive line from the Rams. I think you are going to see a big game out of Aaron Donald, and I think that we're going to see the Rams score some points out there. Um, picking the Rams, and uh, plus two, it's a pretty simple pick for me.
0: All right. The uh, Cowboys
3: and the Seahawks. The uh,
0: Seahawks, a four-and-a-half point favorite at home, taking on the boys. Uh, Bo, we'll start with you this time. Uh, I bet you had a, a nice laugh at uh, the, uh, the Falcons' uh, collapse last week.
3: Well, you know I enjoyed the Falcons collapse. It wasn't (laughs) enough points for the pick segment, but I enjoyed the Falcons collapse, and I saw it coming because Matt Ryan does Matt Ryan things. Um, But, hey, this game, I expect the Cowboys to do Cowboys things. Mike McCarthy handed that game on the silver platter twice to the Falcons last week, and they just couldn't – they just did what Falcons do. Um, They're not going to be able to do that against Seattle. Seattle, four and a half. They don't really scare me too much. I'll take Russell Wilson. He's having just a hell of a year already. There's already MVP talk around him. I think they're going to get it done. I think they win this game by six or seven.
0: TJ, who you got?
4: What a wild – you got the stat right from last week. What a wild comeback that previous to last week, when a team scored at least 39 points and didn't turn it over, they had won every time. It's like 440 times – 4-4-0. They had won in NFL history till the Falcons blew it last week with scoring 34 and not turning it over. The onside kick could be considered a turnover at the end. Um, And then you got the Seahawks with the great win over the Patriots with the goal line stand. I can't go against Russell Wilson at home here. Seattle's going to win it by a touchdown. They're going to cover. They're going to win.
0: Tom, uh, I got the Seahawks too. I think Russell Wilson – is having a career year right now. He's got to be the favorite for MVP after week two. Does he keep the momentum going over the boys?
1: I think so. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and say this is my lock for the week. I like what the Seahawks are doing.
0: All right, last game. Steelers uh, taking on the Texans. Texans are 0-2. Steelers are 2-0. and uh, Pittsburgh a three-and-a-half point favorite at home. TJ, who are you going with? Uh, Battle on the AFC right there.
4: Are the Houston Texans going to be 0 and three? It's certainly looking like it because Pittsburgh was very solid last week. Roethlisberger, the elbow looks good. He's spreading the ball around. I, I think it's the Steelers at home cover that line, and we're talking about Bill O'Brien in jeopardy at O and three.
0: Bo, uh, how much longer does Bill O'Brien survive?
3: You should have been gone a long time ago. Um, (laughs) I'm not a big fan of his. I think he's really overrated. Um, You know, Jones, you and I were talking uh, in a conversation earlier in the week about quarterbacks, and we were talking about the great quarterbacks of of generations. Has there ever been a quarterback that's been more underrated in their generation than Ben Roethlisberger is?
0: No, and he's probably a top 15 quarterback quarterback all time.
3: Um, He's playing really well. Um, I have no confidence in the Texans. To me, three-and-a-half is kind of a gift. It should be a lot more. I think the Steelers, and they'll control this game probably from the opening, uh, opening kickoff. And uh, Bill O'Brien should go ahead and have a moving company go ahead and start cleaning his office pretty soon because I don't suspect he's going to make it past the halfway point of the season.
0: Steelers' defense might be the best in the National <laughs> Football League. Uh, Minka and T.J. Watt and all those guys – uh watch out i think they're gonna have a field day with that bad texans offensive line give me the steelers and the points tom real quick who you got you gonna make it a clean sleep with pittsburgh
1: uh yeah i am tj Watt or not tj watt jj watt wants out he hasn't come out publicly and said it but he said he's tired of losing uh bill o'brien on the hot seat should have been gone a long time ago uh maybe after this game who knows
3: and it's a battle with all the Watt brothers. I feel got, bad about this team. I look at the red there.
0: Yeah. Uh, you you got all the Watt brothers in this game, too. So, <laughs> should be fun. Guys, thanks for joining us, as always, and we'll talk to you next week. Best of luck.
3: Thank you, boys. Thank you, guys.
0: Good luck. See you guys later. Big thanks to T.J. Reeves and Brian O'Connor for joining us here on the Jones Report for our weekly Pigskin Pick'em presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Tyler Jones and Thomas Bridges here with you as uh, we got a few more things to get to before we wrap up today's show. We're going to talk about MJ and his pursuit to NASCAR, as well as our Tom Fillory story of the week coming up in just a bit. But first, let's uh, break down the NBA playoffs, the conference finals, starting with the Nuggets and the Lakers. The Nuggets pulled off a big win on Tuesday night, 114-106 over L.A. Coming up tonight is... Game number four, the Lakers have a 2-1 series lead over Denver. And, Tom, uh, I guess the way this series is going to work out is the Lakers win tonight, and then the Lakers win, and then the uh, Nuggets win three straight, right?
1: You would imagine that would happen. Maybe that was the strategy all along. You know, they let, you know, Anthony Davis – uh, game winner felt a little uncontested, per se, or maybe not as good, you know, maybe not guarded well enough. But uh, maybe that's in their plan. You ha- you would have to think the Nuggets concede um Thursday's game <laughs> um, so the Nuggets can complete the 3-1, you know, comeback win again. Um, you know, if I'm the Lakers, I almost want to give it to the Nuggets to tie and then just go win 4-2. After that, because you – you, Mike Malone, I – you know, if this was the Salem Witch Trials again, I would be going to Denver to find out if Mike Malone was a wizard or a witch. Uh, because there's some black magic going on in Denver.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, how about Jamal Murray? This guy has just been phenomenal this postseason. He had 28 points the other night in Denver's win over the Lakers and is really just unleashed, looks like one of the best guards in the NBA at this point. We already knew that uh, the Nuggets had Jokic and uh, and some other talent, you know, with Plumlee and Michael Porter Jr. and such. But uh, Jamal Murray has really just come out of his shell and unleashed here. And, and I don't know if the, the Lakers have an answer for Jamal Murray at this point, Tom. Huh?
1: You know, I don't know if they do either. Jokic called him a fide superstar um, at this point. And, and uh, you know, friend of the show, Jose and I even talked about it. And we were saying that Jamal Murray may be like a Steph Curry, but more of a chaotic Curry, whereas the actual Steph Curry almost kind of rides on a wave and is so smooth. Jamal Murray is frantic and he's chaotic and he's good uh and he's proved himself i think up to this point um he should be considered one of the best in the league at least in the bubble um because so far so good for the nuggets uh you could argue they could be up 2-1 at this moment right yeah they've
0: uh they've been really good at this point uh, with what they've been able to do uh so far and uh on the flip side for the lakers anthony davis and lebron um I know that you know LeBron had thirty the other night, and Davis had twenty-seven. But uh, eventually, we we got to see more from these guys, right? I mean, what 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 do we? In particular, I think with Anthony Davis is, you know, th- this guy has got to find a way to take over. I mean, he's the best player on this Lakers team. Um, I got to see more from Anthony Davis. Is, is that asking too much, Tom?
1: Maybe not. And Jones, and I don't know if you saw it or not, maybe just because I'm following uh, a majority of Spurs accounts on Twitter. Uh, but Tim Duncan actually trended across Texas the other night, and it was because the comparisons of Anthony Davis and Tim Duncan, and people already saying that Anthony Davis is just as good, if not better, than Tim Duncan, which is a sin immediate sin, even for thinking that or even comparing it. I mean, in the 2003 finals, Duncan averaged 20, 17, and five blocks in the NBA finals. And to even compare Anthony Davis at this point, I guess that is a sin. Um, I mean, he's got a long way to go on a team that's led by LeBron and other other players that have built this Lakers team. Uh, I mean, Anthony Davis, you have to see more from him. It is his time to shine, and if he doesn't, uh, I mean, it's not that he's been playing bad by any means, but he was brought in to, to be the predecessor to the Lakers team, LeBron. Um, and, and we can talk about this too, uh, uh, you know, kind of throw this in here if we're talking NBA. Billy Donovan to the Chicago Bulls. There's been also a lot of talk of Anthony Davis potentially going to Chicago in the offseason. Uh, if the Lakers were to lose to the Nuggets, then maybe so, but this is the time for Anthony Davis to show up. Um, I mean, it, we laughed at the Clippers for letting the Nuggets come back. Do we laugh as hard at the Lakers if they lose this series? Is that fair? I think it is.
0: Absolutely. It is. Um, you know, the Lakers were still hyped up more than the Clippers were, uh, For sure. And the Nuggets weren't supposed to be here. Remember, they they almost lost in the first round to Utah, for crying out loud. So they were were down 3-1 there. So everything, Tom, in this series would tell me that it's the Lakers to lose, that all the pressure is on them. Denver, at this point, they're just happy to be there.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, they've come back from two series down 3-1, Uh, If they do get down 3-1 after tonight, I mean, it's not the end of the world, it seems, for the Nuggets, where for any other team in NBA history, it really has been. Um, And for the Nuggets, again, they're just happy to be here. I mean, uh, okay, maybe shouldn't have even got that close with the Jazz. A credit out to the Jazz for playing that tough. Um, But for them alone right now, I mean – they have to be happy with where they're at, and if they can push the series, I mean, if hell, if they can make it 2-2, uh, I mean, all credit to to Denver. I mean, if you're a Denver fan, you can't even be mad right now. Right. Now, now here's something else uh, uh,
0: I'll add to all this, Tom. The Lakers, let's say that you win tonight. Do you have to win Game five right away or game six. I mean, you would have to think if you're on, if you're the Lakers, you would imagine the number one thing on their minds is to close out right away. They cannot risk opening up that door based on the way Denver has finished off these series lately here.
1: No, they can't. And if they get Denver to an elimination game, it is very important for them to go ahead and finish that off. Uh, because, I mean, at that point, we joke about it, we laugh about it, we, have, we make memes about it. Whatever. But I mean, it's very serious. Uh, nuggets have been there twice already, uh, and they know how to, they, they, don't, they don't back down. Um, and they've shown that they're even tougher uh, in those closeout games. Almost like it was like me procrastinating on a research paper. I got better as it got closer to the deadline. That's how the Nuggets are playing right now. They're like, yeah, let's see how close we can cut it before we said screw it and go ahead and finish it out. Uh, It's been insane, and I haven't seen anything like that in sports in a long time. But Nuggets get better as the series goes on. And, yeah, you can say that for a lot of teams, but it's the fight that the Nuggets somehow have in them to not die. They're a team that does not die. They do not go away. They do not lay over. They don't hit the bed. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams will lay down and just say, screw it. But the Nuggets, look at the Clippers series. They came back from like 17, 19, and like 12 in the second half to do away with the Clippers. And, you know, sure, the Clippers, whatever, they, you know, it's not LeBron and crew, but I don't think LeBron and crew are exempt from that. I really don't. I think the Nuggets could do it again. Uh, Personally, being a fan, I hope they do.
0: Right. I hope they do as well. Uh, Tom, you and I uh, were taping this as the Heat-Celtics game is finishing up, and it looks like the Heat are on their way to victory to take a 3-1 series lead. The Heat, remind folks, they they were a five seed. Uh, The experts said they wouldn't even get out of the first round. Now it looks like that uh, they're on their way to the NBA Finals, barring a big collapse and comeback from the Boston Celtics. Uh, which which could still happen at this point, but nonetheless, uh, Jimmy Butler was criticized so much throughout his career in a Chicago and Philadelphia, how he couldn't you know play with anybody, that he couldn't get a, get the job done. Now he goes down to Miami. He's the number one option, and he has just taken over. I mean, he has played great, and he's got teammates that he can play along with. Uh, I mean. I I feel happy for Jimmy that he's silenced all the critics here.
1: Oh, I mean, rightfully so. He's done through with his play, and he's done through with the play of his teammates. And, uh, you know, hats off to Tyler Harrell. Had a great game. uh, Had a great game for a ridiculous game for maybe historic game for on his part. Uh, But everyone's doing their part. Spolstra uh, cannot be underrated, cannot be no slide on Spolstra's name anymore. Uh, because the coaching job he's done, uh, you know, even in just this bubble has solidified him as a serious coach in the NBA. I thought he was before anyway, uh, but he was not talked about enough. Uh, what he's put together through this, even let's say, even if they were to fall, let's just call it, you know, heat Celtics right down at 3-1. Even if this, the Celtics were to pull a play, play out of the Nuggets playbook and come back, uh, Spolster still would have to be celebrated. Uh, and, and let's say even if they get to the finals and lose, still has to be celebrated for the accomplishments and the season that they have had. Uh, and I'm not writing off Miami, even if they, you know, if even if it gets, if they get to the finals, if they play the Nuggets or the Lakers, you can't write them off. Uh, I think as much as you know the history with myself and the Spurs and the Heat have in the finals, uh, kind of almost like the Patriots and the Rams at that point. Uh, I still. I couldn't be mad to see the Heat win. I mean, you you have to think at this point there, the underdog uh, maybe not doesn't feel that way, but for all intents and purposes, it feels like this team is kind of like the Mavs of old, maybe not a number one direct superstar. You could argue Jimmy Butler, maybe that, but not anything on paper that would stand out as a bona fide top five player in the NBA. Uh, and they're taking it to... Uh, the Eastern Conference. Yeah.
0: Last thing on the Heat, we'll wrap up on this. How have they done this? Uh, I mean, no no one saw this coming. Uh, you, you look at, I know that Tyler Hero has played great as a rookie and, and Jay Crowder and uh, obviously Jimmy Butler and all these guys here, but they, they weren't supposed to be in this position. What clicked for this team being a five seed that didn't click for them in the regular season, Tom? How did this team Pulled off and also overcome teams that looked like on paper were more talented than them.
1: You know, just playing team basketball. I mean, uh, I mean, everyone has been pretty solid every night. There's not been necessarily a bad game I can think of from any one of them. Uh, Bams played great. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler. Uh, I mean, I mean, you you mentioned Jay Crowder. I mean, this is not a bunch. You know, this is not you know, a lot of the superstar teams are the superstars. And then they're filled with a bunch of has-beens. There's no has-been on this team. Uh, They are playing a great team in the Celtics right now. And it looks like to be that they're going to be up three, one. There's no has-beens. These are all players that have have done their share and and hero and Duncan are fairly young. Um, I mean, you look at Jay Crowder. Yes. Maybe not the best, Um, you know, former boston celtic former a lot of teams but uh everyone on the on the heat has just played phenomenal they've played the role they know the role and they're playing their part and they're up 3-1 on the boston celtics
0: yeah it's uh it's impressive to say the least speaking of the nba tom michael jordan the best player of all time no discussion there he is uh, taking his talents to nascar did you hear about this MJ is going to own a NASCAR team alongside Denny Hamlin. And their driver is going to be none other than Bubba Wallace is going to be uh, in the Michael Jordan Denny Hamlin car. And MJ and Denny Hamlin have a very interesting relationship that dates back a decade or so. Denny Hamlin showed up at a Charlotte Hornets game at the time, I guess they were the Bobcats. And Michael Jordan saw that Denny was there. And and MJ's been a lifelong NASCAR fan. And he recognized Denny and introduced himself to Denny. Uh, And uh, Denny was just shocked. And they exchanged numbers. And MJ was texting him during the game they were at. And they really hit it off. Uh, What do you know? Denny became the lone Jordan brand ambassador in NASCAR. It looked kind of goofy at first, seeing the jump man on Denny Hamlin's fire suit. But then, after a while, it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. And uh, MJ he'll text Denny Hamlin after a race, telling him what he did wrong or congratulate him on a win after every single race. Um, he even showed up to the championship race last year at Homestead. I wanted to meet him, but MJ was in his own uh, trailer and didn't really come out of there. But what you have here, Tom is two things. Uh, the state of NASCAR right now, with as expensive as it is and teams and drivers dropping left and right, this is huge to have Michael Jordan be a part of NASCAR and uh, be an owner like that. That's big news. That's a big win for the sport. The flip side, though, I don't know how good MJ to be as an owner because MJ is probably the worst owner in the NBA. And you know, Bubba Wallace's driver, uh, although Bubba's having a career year, the best year of his career, he's still unproven. Bubba's not competing for victories. I know that Richard Petty Motorsports isn't a great team by any means, but um, we'll see. Uh, and, and, you know, new teams are always hard to start in this sport. Uh, sounds like they're going to be paired with Toyota and everything and work with Joe Gibbs. There's going to be resources there, but I don't think this is going to be a championship contender overnight, but I do like that it's happening nonetheless, Tom.
1: Oh, I mean, and and you would you would assume or you would have thought that this would happen after a while, just considering Jordans and, and Charlotte, uh, you know, NASCAR being in Charlotte, uh, you know, this Jordan is a competitor. Jordan's also a money man, right? Uh, you. I could have maybe called this, uh, maybe not as quick, but uh, you would have had to think Jordan was going to tap into that. I mean, it's in his backyard, and he is the worst owner uh, as far as team success and things go in the NBA right now. Uh, But it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes tapping into the MLB because that's in his backyard, and it only makes sense. Obviously, he's not a full owner of that. Um, but to even get a piece of the pie. And and for Michael Jordan, you know, uh, one of the most recognized faces in America uh, for NASCAR to get him on board and for him to be partnered with a driver and Denny Hamlin that has, has had is, is on the, I wouldn't even call it on the, uh, the up and up now I would say uh, one of the main faces uh, in the circuit being even for the last two, three years, uh, it is great for NASCAR, you know, if, if Bubba Wallace is coming out party uh, in NASCAR and growing it, uh, you know, in other uh, in, in other forms for him to come out and, and do what he's been able to do and promote the sport for Michael Jordan uh, to get in NASCAR, not only great for Michael Jordan to have something else, but for NASCAR, you would think is the big winner here. Uh, even if Michael Jordan's team, even if Michaels and Hamlin's team is absolute, shit, uh, this is oh, this is awesome for NASCAR. Yeah, I mean for them, you can't ask much more. Oh they, yeah, they must have been ecstatic.
0: Absolutely, uh, this is a big win for the sport. And Tom, this doesn't happen without the Confederate flag ban and the steps that NASCAR took over the last several months here. And I know that, you know, a lot of people were upset about that and the direction that NASCAR has gone here in these last couple of months uh, when it comes to social change and stuff like that. But, and, and there may have been fans that stopped watching because of that and whatnot. And, and, you know, I get that, but this type of thing does not happen. Those doors do not open for Michael Jordan to be a want to be involved in this sport without that happening. And I think also, We're going to see this potentially open up to a new fan base of uh, more minorities and such with bringing in MJ and Bubba Wallace becoming uh, a star in his own right. I mean, he's been kind of the most polarizing face of NASCAR here for the last six months. Um, For the sport, this is great. Um, And then Denny Hamlin, too. Denny has wanted to get involved in ownership. It's hard to find money these days, especially in sponsors. MJ has got all the money you can ask for. Um, if it comes down to dollars and cents to be competitive, they will find a way to get that money one way or the other. Uh, MJ will – I think that he doesn't do things halfway. He'll go all in on this, and, and a Denny could have a very successful ownership career and, and, uh, and go from here. And even if Bubba doesn't turn out to be the guy, with, with knowing what you have and MJ there – They'll find a driver or maybe they'll expand the team or something like that. This is only the start, I think, of something good down the line.
1: Oh, 100% it is. I mean, uh, for them, and it goes to show, Jones, that if you close the right doors, um, doors that for NASCAR needed to be closed a long time ago, to be honest, it goes to show if you close the right doors, if you do – uh, what is what should have been done, and, and you are socially conscious uh, and, and want to actually grow the sport and open it up to other fan bases, it goes to show that if you do what is socially conscious, uh, not only what is right, but also recognizing that you make these moves and the money will come, uh, it goes to show you'll be rewarded. And, I mean, for Michael Jordan to come into NASCAR – If you were going to tell me five, six, seven years ago, Michael Jordan was going to have a team in NASCAR, I would have said, no, there's no way it's not. I mean, come on, Michael Jordan's going to get into the NHL before he gets into NASCAR, right? Um, But it goes to show you, you take the right steps, you get rewarded for it. Uh, It's not to say that Michael Jordan's not going to benefit from this, um, but I think, NASCAR has a whole hell of a lot more to do in the benefiting department than Michael Jordan does.
0: Right. And uh, so they're going to buy a charter, which will mean that this car will be locked into every race next season. And uh, so that's huge to have that. They're going to get automatically every week. They're going to have money coming in and race winnings and such here. They're set up well. And I know it sounds kind of late in the process to be, announcing you're going to have a team together in September, but this is put together better than you, what you would think. Uh, I, I'm skeptical as far as MJ competing right away for championships or racing at a high level considering his track record. But, uh, you know, I think with with Denny, with Denny there, Tom, that's what the selling point actually is for me is it's MJ's money, but Denny's going to be kind of the one leading the way in all this here. He's the, he's the veteran of the sport – He was the one that was raised around in it. He's got the relationship with Toyota here. It's kind of a a deal where MJ's got the financial backing, but I would assume that Denny's going to be running the show here.
1: Yeah, you would think. I mean, Michael's got the money to back. Um, And like I said earlier, he's a money man. I think he's smart enough to know that, hey, uh, maybe I don't really have enough experience in this sport to be making any crazy decisions And Denny Hamlin's one of the best drivers in NASCAR today, if not the best. So, uh, I mean, I think that you have to let Denny Hamlin kind of run and gun for a little bit as the decision maker, as the go-to. And and I don't think Michael Jordan is the type of guy that's going to Jerry Jones this.
0: Right. If – I was thinking about car numbers, Tom. Bubba's got to be in the number 23, and then if you get a second car going, it's got to be 45, right? The two numbers Jordan wore.
1: Right. You would imagine so. I mean, that's the best uh, thing that I could think. Uh, the Jordan brand also in NASCAR, that's something else. I mean, it's one thing for a football team to to wear it. Uh, it's another thing to have it on a car. Um, and, and, again, I think, you know, I mean, you could – uh, you could put just about anything on a car that Michael Jordan wanted if he's going to be down to, to be uh, in NASCAR and have some ownership. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can uh, hell put whatever he yeah. wants on the car.
0: Right. Speaking of NASCAR, uh, the playoff race at Kansas Speedway coming up in just a couple of weeks. 10,000 fans going to be in attendance at Kansas Speedway for that one, and uh, we'll be there. We'll have a great time. And uh, I don't know how much you've been watching the playoffs lately, Tom, but we've seen some great racing. Kevin Harvick, he's the odds-on favorite with nine wins. Denny Hamlin, he's got six wins. He's had a great season. And uh, Kyle Busch, the defending champion, yet to win a race in 2020. I wouldn't sleep on him yet. I know Harvick's the, the heavy favorite, but, I mean, between Chase Elliott and Denny and Kyle Busch and some of these others here, I think we're, we're going to have a competitive uh, – uh playoff here all the way down to the uh, last race there at phoenix in the final four
1: yeah you know i've been keeping up just a little bit i'll be honest i haven't been watching races but i have been keeping up as far as the standings go and as far as who's winning what uh yeah yeah i mean you can't take away with what kevin harvick's done this season and and just for the circumstances being i mean obviously fans in nascar I wouldn't say translates over to any product or talent on on the track, not like it does in football or basketball, um, but just for what has happened, Kevin Harvick's really, you know, you know these drivers in a tougher position than usual uh, and then coming in and having the weekday races and then bebopping around to the other tracks where they're racing what? three races in 10 days or something like that no practice um, no what kevin harvick's been able to do is just really right it's been really just a testament on how damn good of a driver he really is
0: yeah uh no doubt about it and th- the other big headline of this season Tom, has been the retirement of jimmy johnson i know he missed the playoff and has yet to win a race this year i was really devastated to hear that he was going to step aside but then now the announcement comes that he's going to run 12 IndyCar races next year, and he still might run the Daytona 500 and several other races. It doesn't feel as bad here. I'm actually excited to see Jimmy move on from full-time NASCAR racing. I want to see what he can do in an IndyCar, do some open-wheel stuff and compete. I mean, he's the greatest of all time. Let's see what he can put together in something else. I wish more guys would do what Jimmy's doing.
1: You know, I think they, I think if Jimmy ends up having success – And I think he will because I don't think he's just a great NASCAR driver. I think he's a great driver all around. I I think he's going to succeed in whatever venture that he ends up doing. Uh, That's just kind of the nature of Jimmy Johnson. Uh, I see him. I don't think he's going to come out and just dominate right away. Uh, But I I do picture Jimmy Johnson going into IndyCar and shaking some things up. Um, and, And that is something I will watch specifically because Jimmy Johnson trying something different uh, it'll be, I mean, that's a storyline. I think it's good for IndyCar, uh, for Jimmy Johnson to go try that. Uh, I think it's, I think it's going to pull a lot of NASCAR fans into watching more Indy racing. Yeah. It's the
0: best thing to happen to IndyCar. since Dana Danica Patrick was racing in IndyCar. Um, you're going to have a lot more than just open wheel fans watching the sport. that will be cool to see. Before we get out of here today, Tom, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time?
1: John, so we're going to go a little update on last week. If you remember, we talked about two things. We talked about hurricanes running out of names, and we talked about the Mountain Dew Garita. Went to Stillwater last week. The Red Lobster was not open. Uh, It might have been open at the end of the game, but I was on my way back to Bartlesville to host a karaoke at the cigar bar that you got to participate in, which was a great time. So the I, I do will have to right, wait. However, the... <laughs> right there, right. Um, but the hurricane story will not have to wait, as this comes from CTV News. Um, looks like off of CNN here. The 2020 Atlantic hurricane season runs out of names. Jones, we mentioned last week, they should have corporations do bidding on it. And send that money to relief efforts, but they have turned to the Greek alphabet. CNN, with the naming of Tropical Storm Wilfred in the Eastern Atlantic on Friday, the National Hurricane Center has officially used up all its names for 2020 hurricanes. Wilfred was the last name on this year's list of 21 Atlantic hurricane names, only the second time in recorded history that all the names were used. The NHC does not use the letters Q, U, X, Y, and Z because those aren't enough names to fill those letters. Uh, the storm is just over 600 miles west of Cabo Verde Islands, according to the National Hurricane Center. It poses no threat to land and is forecast to weaken over the Atlantic next week. To name additional storms, NHC will use the Greek alphabet, which has only happened once since NHC, National Hurricane Center, started naming storms in 1953. 2005, the NHC had to use six letters of the Greek alphabet for a record number of storms since it had already run to the 21. Available to the agency in the English alphabet. We didn't have to wait long. Shortly after Wilfred Jones, were already in the Greek alphabet. Subtropical storm Alpha. Also formed Friday about 75 miles from Lisbon, Portugal, with winds of 80 uh, kilometers per the National Hurricane Center. The center of the storm should make landfall in Portugal shortly before weakening. The next name, Storm Jones, obviously would be Beta. Jones- You know, we've had a lot of hurricanes this year. If I was going to pick a year for us to run out of names, it would have been this year. Um, Greek alphabet, are you, uh, you know, maybe not so much Tom Fuller because it is what it is, but at the same time, uh, I mean, you can kind of relate this back in. uh, This has only happened once ever, and it was the year that Katrina happened. Okay. um, Which was probably the worst hurricane that I can think of ever. Um still I mean I went down to New Orleans ten years after it happened, uh, maybe a little over ten years, and they were still feeling the effects of Katrina. Uh while there hasn't been a Katrina yet, I'm not ruling it out. Um I don't think it's gonna be beta, uh, you know, for all things intended, but uh Jones just with the ridiculousness of having to use the Greek alphabet because of so many hurricanes and tropical storms, uh, that poses what's next for this I mean I think they should have used corporations and given that relief money there we're in the Greek alphabet I don't think we will run through the Greek alphabet however I could be you know 2020 has proven different things this kind of brings up the next thing um, there's, there's several tornadoes every year but tornadoes do not get a name why not should they get a name should we be naming tornadoes does that give them too much personality? Um, you know, more would have several. Um, we are no stranger uh, to supercells. Um, you know, do should they? What other? What? I guess to make this a little bit more Tom Fuller than usual, even though Tom Fuller in itself, as we've gotten to the point the second time in history of running out of names. Uh, the point I'm trying to get to here is, what else should we name? Uh, Well, I think tornadoes deserve a name.
0: See, here's why I disagree. Because tornadoes are a one-time event that happened in one day. All you need is the date and the location of the tornado.
4: Um,
0: So the name is not really necessary (laughs) for that tornado. Um, I do think we need names for snowstorms, though. Um, Because snowstorms could happen over a period of days, and a big location of sorts. You know, you can have an entire region get hit with a, a snowstorm. So I would be in favor of naming snowstorms, not in favor of naming tornadoes. Uh, as far as the Greek names go, the Greek letters, uh, I took some Greek stuff in a, in college and in high school. Don't remember anything from it. Um, but the Greek language is very complicated and, com- and very complex. Um, uh, I would have hoped that we chose something like French or German or Spanish or something before we touched the Greek. Uh, that's what I have issue with. What I take issue with is here. why on earth would we have anything to do with the Greeks, uh, considering how things uh, are so difficult with them? That, to me, was a was a bad mistake.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they, I think they have, like, hurricane like Maria's and things like that. So maybe you use other Spanish words, but Alpha, beta. I used to know the whole Greek alphabet. Uh, thanks my short fraternity run at Oklahoma State. Uh, you learned the Greek alphabet there through a little fraternity sorority song. Uh, can't remember it, to be honest. Probably for better. Um, but tornadoes, okay, I, I can get that. I, I can get that. Snowstorms, yes. Jones, you were in Tulsa, I believe, for the, I guess not so much a snowstorm, but ice storm back uh, early in the, in, I guess, in the late 2000s. Uh, what would you call the, were you here for that? I was not here for that, actually.
0: Uh, but I would have named it something in the effect of like, uh, because it's so messy and it is such a hazard, I would name it after Kevin from the office. I'd call it uh, uh, Snowstorm Kevin.
1: Kevin, I can get that. I feel like now if we give Snowstorms names, I feel like it's it's going to happen that we're going to get Frozen names. We're going to get Snowstorm Elsa. We're going to get Snowstorm Olaf. And if it comes down to that, I don't want it. You know, I've never seen the movie Frozen. I unfortunately have. Multiple times.
0: Your Um, your mom manages a daycare, so I'm sure that's on from time to time.
1: I mean, that's reasonable. Uh, But it has just come down to shenanigans with Disney movies. Uh, I'm sure we do get one, though. Um, I'm going to have to look that up. Why do we don't name snowstorms? They happen every year. They're always hitting in different places. I mean, there was one... Uh, you know, maybe not a huge storm, but in Atlanta not too long ago that left drivers stranded everywhere only though it was like an inch of, less than an inch of snow. Uh, maybe you call that the Magic City snowstorm if it happens ah, in Atlanta again. I like you call that. call it the Lou Williams snowstorm I like <laughs> if it happens. But, I, you know, maybe I'm going to have to look into that. Maybe that'll be a next week update. Right. Maybe so. We'll uh, we'll track
0: that down and get on that and see where things go from there. Tom, that about does it for today's edition of the Jones Report. Big thanks to Matt Reynolds for stopping by, as well as uh, T.J. Reeves and Brian O'Connor. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. Twitter, at ToddlerJonesLive, at Thomas underscore Bridges. At TJ Media Group, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Jones underscore report, Insta Thomas. You can find us there. And we'll see you back here on Monday as uh, we'll recap how our golf event went and also the weekend that was in the NFL and get you our final thoughts before the Chiefs and the Ravens duke it out on Monday Night Football. Until then, for Thomas Bridges and our entire crew of Tyler Jones, sing so long. This has been another edition of the Jones' Work. We'll see you on Monday.